What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Zero to Hear podcast. I am your host, Denny Dumas. Tonight on the show, a good friend of mine, Michael Bell. Big news in uh, his his golf world. He just recently qualified for the McKenzie Tour, which is the Canadian Tour, which is two steps below the PGA Tour. So in a couple years from now, he could be playing against Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy in the Masters. Seriously, this guy's good. Uh, We chat all about uh, his final round, which was very up and down uh, a week and a half ago at the Canadian Tour Q School. He's an interesting guy. He's overcome some big hurdles and uh, super excited for him. Listen to his story. Let me know what you think. And if you like it or don't, uh, leave us a review on iTunes and Spotify. Love you. Michael Bell, I am so excited. I've been waiting for this for a long time. I think I sent you an invite in December. Yeah, right before I left for you decided Phoenix. to fuck off for a few months. Yeah, <laughs> I'm excited, man. I'm very, very excited. There's so much we can talk about. Um, if anyone doesn't follow me on Instagram, first of all, you should. Second of all, uh, my buddy qualified for the uh, Mackenzie Tour, the Canadian Golf Tour, this past weekend. Congrats, buddy. Thanks, man. A lot of hard work. Yeah. It was a long, long process. A lot of uh, depressed nights. <laughs> um, but it was worth it. And How are you feeling right now? Uh, I'm still, like, coming down from the high a little bit. Yeah. Um, like, there's... I, I can't really, like, compare it to anything I've done before. Because it basically like Q school is it's one once a year you get to play one time and it determines your entire year basically if you're employed. Yeah. Um, so it's like the worst job interview you can possibly do. We're going to, I'm, I want to explain to people how hard it actually is to qualify for golf tours, but I want to start by just helping people understand how hard golf is. Yeah. I'm, I feel like I'm a pretty athletic kid. Yeah. Carl, you can uh, beg to differ if you'd like. It's hard. I've been playing for nine years, not religiously like Michael. Uh, and I feel like I go two steps forward, four steps back every year. Why is it so hard? Uh, I'm not sure. I think part of it is that from like just looking from an outside perspective, it looks like it looks kind of simple. It's like you got something in your hand. There's yeah. a ball that's not moving. <laughs> it should be pretty easy for me to move my body in a way to hit this thing. And even for some, like even for like athletes, the first time they swing a club, they'll miss the ball completely. And it's like you have to, you have to get past the stage of it. Like when you first start golf, it's like frustrating and you don't want to play but then you get to a certain point and it's kind of like addicting because as, as soon as you start hitting it kind of good, you expect to hit it good all the time. Yeah. And then that's when it's kind of like got its hooks in you and you're screwed for life. You made a good point that it makes good athletes look silly often when they start. I think it was the same for me in just terms of like 
being so confused about why the ball is not going straight or yeah. why is it going over there every time? Why is it going 80 yards to the right every yeah. time? There's in the past few years, there's been like more science that have come out, like explaining why it happens a certain way. And golf is kind of going like a technology route explaining this stuff. But like, it's really, it's just, it doesn't make sense. It should be easier than it is. And it's not. <laughs> um, and anyone that says it's easy either is lying to themselves or they haven't like actually tried. Does anyone say it's easy? Well, some people, people that, who haven't played, some, people who haven't tried. I don't know if they say it's easy, but the the worst thing that you can get is when you say like, you're a professional golfer and they'll say, Oh, that's like, that's not really a sport. It's like kind of, it's like, you know, if you, if you, if you can say to me that golf isn't a sport, I would love for you to try and actually <laughs> see how silly it makes you look. I feel uh, so basing it off of the sports that I've played, it's by far the hardest. Yeah. Basketball, soccer, baseball, football are the ones that I played growing up. But doesn't it's that make it a little bit more addicting? It's for, how, for how hard it is. Like, there's no, like, you always know you can get better the next day, which is why I think people like it. Like, there's no perfecting it. it yeah, that is 100% correct. I feel like, again, I was pretty athletic growing up. Yeah. And the stuff that I tried, I was always pretty good at. Like, I didn't play football till high school. And I was pretty good at football because I got away with a lot of things just by being faster and more athletic than people. There's no cheating golf. There's no quick, no, there's no Coles notes version. But like, if you compare it, you guys both played high level basketball. You can sit on a free throw line and make a hundred free throws in a row. Mm -hmm. You can sit on a driving range and hit, you'd be hard pressed to hit 10 shots that were the exact same in a row. That's so I true. I can hit two. What? <laughs> Yeah, so like it feels like you're making this. It feels like you're making the same action at the ball. It feels like you're swinging the same, and one can go straight and one can go thirty yards right, and you can sit there for an hour beating yourself up about why that happened. The impressive thing, you're probably the best golfer I've ever actually like played a round of golf with. <laughs> the impressive thing about you is, it seems like you hit it very close to where you want to quite often. Yeah. Whereas for me, I'm aiming at that little flag stick on the green patch <laughs> over there. And there's like a 6% chance I'm hitting towards <laughs> it. Yeah. Uh, oh, it takes a lot of practice. Like, <laughs> oh, shit. I've been at this since I was like 10 and I've gotten to the point where I want to be in my career right now, but there's still like, like there's so much, there's so many more things I can be good at, which is what's kind of cool about it. Like, What's the number one thing you're working on right now? Um, something I've been working on for a while is just consistency, and I think that came out at Q School. I've shot my last couple of tries at Q School. I've had some good rounds, and then I'd have one bad round, and as soon as that happens, you're kind of you're like you're just fucked. So, especially, we'll probably get into all the Q School stuff, but consistency is like the biggest thing I've worked on recently. Um. And this year I just kind of figured it out a little more. So that's just, is how else do you work on consistency other than repetition? <laughs> um, it's, it's repetition on like the practice range or the driving range, but it's more, uh, like specific 
practice. So instead of just whacking a bunch of, like get a basket of balls, hit them in an hour so you've practiced, it's more like hit a ball, go through your routine, step back, put down another ball, hit it. Because anyone can, anyone can hit balls good if you put like an alignment stick down, take out a five iron, hit five iron at the same target over and over. But it's a lot harder, say, take out a pitching wedge first, aim at a target on the right to go through your routine, hit it, and then go back to your bag, take out a five iron, change the target. So it's more like on the course practice as opposed to practice during practice where you're just pounding balls back to back to back. It's more specific and it's harder. Is that more important than just hitting? Like, because that's very time consuming. It's very time consuming. So for a random golfer like me that goes to the range once a week, is it better for my 45 minutes or an hour that I'm there to hit 100 balls or to hit 40 balls practicing a routine? Uh, It's it's a good question. So there's like, there's two types of practice that most people talk about. They call it like random practice versus block practice. What most casual golfers like yourself would probably benefit for is block practice, which is just like getting repetitions in every yeah. time you have a just chance. Making and then contact with the ball. Basically. When you get to, when, yeah, exactly. When you get to a certain <laughs> level, you have to switch that to block practice because when you get to like the skill level on that, if I just sit there with a five iron in my hand for an hour, I can hit the same shot over and over, but it's a lot, it's a lot more uh important to my practice if i you know make it more like a tournament play where i'm you know i'll hit a driver and then i'll hit a wedge and then i'll hit a five iron and then i'll hit a driver you just kind of switch it up um but for the casual golfer definitely i just say get in the reps like get used to swinging when you have time how much is mental practice for you and the reason i ask that is because there's often times on the course for myself where Let's say a pin is fairly tucked, and I'm going at it every time. Yeah, I'm not hitting at the middle of the green ever. I want, I'm going for glory, right? Yeah. I don't. So is if your, I take a double, it really doesn't affect my life. Yeah. So <laughs> is your goal is your goal to shoot a good number? Or is your goal to make a birdie? Because you, it, it's I like very, when there's very, birdies on the card. Yeah. So <laughs> you, it, that's kind of what you got to decide when you play, right? So you might make birdie two times out of 10, but the other eight times, you know, or another four times you make par, but the other four times you'll make double. Yeah. So it depends kind of, do you want to walk off the course after 18 being happy you shot a number or you want to walk off that one hole happy you made a birdie? So you just kind of, you got to decide kind of what you want. When you're going into tournaments or rounds, are you thinking, are you looking at a course and saying, okay, these are the holes I want to take advantage of? Or are you basing it on where your tee shots go? Um, it's less the holes and more the pin locations. So mm-hmm. we all get, we get every pro event, you get a pin sheet and they're all marked off on the greens and you'll kind of look at it after you play your practice run and be like, okay, if the pins in this spot, I can be more aggressive. It'd be like a red light, yellow light, green light kind of system. Yeah. Um, and I'll, try to score on the holes that I have green lights on and I'll take my medicine on the holes where I think par will be good because some people are going to try to get more out of that hole than they probably should. And that's what I did at Q school the whole week. Like I didn't shoot, I didn't shoot a, like a super low number. I wasn't, in, I shot 69, 69, 70, 70. Some guys were shooting 65, but other, their other scores were high 70. So even that guy that was in second going into the final round, I think shot like 77. Shot, yeah, the guy, yeah. I think he was... He's minus 14. Yeah, I think he was five or six shots ahead of me to start the day and I ended up beating him by two. Yeah. 
but uh you just have to and it's really like it's i'm not saying this is easy like it's really hard <laughs> it's definitely it's not really easy. hard it's really hard like when you have a wedge in your hand and you're like okay i'm not gonna aim at the pin here because in the back of your mind your like it's your mind is saying like you know get aggressive we should go for it and then you got this other thing saying like you know just be smart and you kind of have to get to a point where the correct the the correct shot isn't necessarily the one that's closer to the hole while you're in tournaments like this is this something that your caddy is saying okay this is a red light hole you have, I know you have 127 yards in, Mike. I know you want to hit it at the pin. You need to hit it at the middle of the green. Yeah. Uh, my caddy for Q School, my buddy John, yeah. big, big shout out. He helped me a lot this week. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll go through like a pretty lengthy conversation about like where we want to have the ball end up or start on the green, and then we'll kind of base our decisions off that. But there's... There's not one shot during Cusco where you're not like super specific about a target. And there's 70, 72 approach shots to the green, and they're probably say maybe a quarter of them you're actually aiming at the pin. Really? Yeah. And it's, it, and it's hard because, like, like the, the hardest thing is not the hardest thing, but it's so, it's so hard to like trick your brain into saying, like, because you're aiming at the green, you need something to aim at, and the pin is like the only thing your mind can see. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, no, I'm going to aim somewhere else and try to hit it there. And you can be at like the top of your backswing about to hit the ball, and you're like, ah, uh, you know what? I'm going to go at the pin. But you have to, like, before you pull the trigger, you have to really decide that, you know what, I'm just going to aim at the middle of the green. I'm going to try to make a one putt, and if I don't, I two putt. And it's just like... It's process, 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 and then see where you are at the end of the tournament. Would that be the biggest thing for an amateur to do to save strokes in a round? I bet, yeah. So for, Is that the I've biggest played, thing? I've played with you and Alex a sure. lot. Talk, so, don't talk about Alex because he's all over the fucking place. <laughs> I'll talk with Kat. You want me to talk about your golf game? Sure. So <laughs> I think that if you had better course management, you could probably knock off between like two to four, three to five shots around. Because you hit the ball that. you hit the ball good enough, but I don't think you hit it like smart enough. You just want to make the lowest score you can on every hole, which is fine. Because <laughs> you're you're in Palm Springs for a couple weeks at a time and you want to see how low you can shoot. Exactly. But you could also go home being like, I played seven rounds and all seven rounds I shot under seventy five as opposed to like Shot one round 72, and then I shot one round in the 80s, or I don't know. You just got to decide what you want. But you hit it good enough to the point where if you chose like a smart target to the green, you could hit it on the green as opposed to aiming at the pin and missing the green. Because golf, golf. I think I'm motivated to. Uh, I th- it's hard. I think it's hard as an am with limited experience. And yeah, sure. I've been playing for nine years, so I played a lot of rounds of golf, but yeah. nowhere near the amount of golf holes that you've played is to know which hole which green is a red light yeah that's tough especially if you don't play course all the time you don't know the undulation of a green so it's hard to like it's really yourself to not hit it at the pin so if if, when i explain this to people think of like think of like a shotgun when a shotgun sprays it goes like every different direction there's like a central pattern a left pattern and a right pattern 
even pro golfers have like their stock shots that are like in the center and then they'll miss some left and miss some right. The difference between pros and ams is that it's like it gets smaller and smaller the better you get. Yeah. But even for someone like you, you could find out pretty quickly, you know, like my five iron, if I hit it good is here. If I miss it left, say it's like 15 yards left, or if I miss it right, it's 15 yards right. Mm -hmm. And then you can kind of, you can aim your ball in a direction on the green where if I do hit one of my shots that is the wayward pattern, it's still going to end up okay. Yeah. I, and I do that off the tee now. Yeah. But I don't do that greens. Okay, I can work on that. Yeah. Let's talk more about you and not me. <laughs> <laughs> my golf game is not getting anywhere near the McKenzie Tour in the near future. No, I like that because one of my favorite things is when you beat Alex in Palm Springs and then he likes to complain about how For it was For the rest unfair. of my life, I will not let Alex beat me. <laughs> <laughs> Ever. He says, like, okay, we play a lot of golf together. Let's say, like, 25 rounds a year, maybe. And I think he probably wins two of them. And he's going to listen to this and argue and tell everyone that I cheat. I do the exact same things that he does, okay? <laughs> we talk about it. We talk. We don't play it down Special like handicaps. pros, okay? I'm gonna, I'll admit that. It's fine. Do you know what fluffing up your lie means, Carl? No, I, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so Alex and I decide going into a round, they're not playing it down. Playing it down means you hit every shot from exactly where the ball ends up. Okay. So if it ends up in a divot on the fairway, you're playing it yeah. out of the divot. If it ends up at the bottom of the rough, that's two and a half inches long, you're playing it out of the bottom. What Alex and I decide is that we're not good enough golfers to play it down. <laughs> so we fluff off our lies to make the round more enjoyable for yeah. each of us. Okay? So if it's in a divot, I put it on the nice grass right beside it. If it's down in the rough, I just fluff it off a little bit. Okay. Yeah. And we've agreed that that is the way we play golf. But mm -hmm. then when we get finished around and we're talking about scores, Alex will be like, well, Danny fluffed his lie here. And I did. <laughs> And, but it's like, you know what? You fluffed your lie too, Alex. What would Alex do if we played it down uh, around the greens? He can't, I, he can't I, hit a good chip I shot out of a good I lie. I have a big tournament coming up. I don't want to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point. Okay, we can't have a golf podcast without briefly mentioning Tiger Woods. Yeah. Is he back? Like, he's back, back, like... He was, he was like kind of back when he won the tour championship last year, but that was only a field of 30. Yeah. But when you win the masters, like that might be, if he doesn't, like if he doesn't, if nothing else happens is like in his career, winning another major, that might be one of my, like the best sporting moment I've ever seen. It was cool on Sunday to see. Okay. Let me ask you this. And this is on the record, but I want your honest opinion. Do you think Louis was paid? No, not Louis. Sorry, uh, Molinari. <laughs> I've I've read things about this. I don't think he was as soon. Okay, he had two shitty shots in he, the water. He did. I understand. But, but there's my pressure point, my point on is, a Sunday. I think I think all on that twelfth hole, the short part three. I think all four players that were tied or within one of the lead went in the water except That's Tiger. Right. So if Molinari. I don't think he was. And I like Tiger too much to even like let that cross my mind because I don't want it to be tainted at all. I don't think he did either. I just want, I want the conversation I've, I've heard, to happen. I've heard the, uh, I've heard the, um, cause even the chip on 15 was ridiculous. It, yeah. 
I know. It wasn't even close. He no. hit it in the front of the water. He, I know. It was, it was a collapse. But, uh, but that guy's good. That guy's solid. How does that happen? I think it's just what we've talked about. He wins golf, tournaments. He's always dude, plays good on Sunday. Golf is just fucking hard. It doesn't matter where you are. Like, that's hard to believe. I guess Jordan Spieth had that okay, a few so, years ago at the Masters too on Sunday. I wanted I wanted to bring this up. So the guy that won the Wells Fargo yesterday, his name is Max Homa. 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 Max Homa. Homa. Yeah. yeah. So this is how hard golf is. In 2017, he missed 15 of 17 cuts on the PGA Tour. The two cuts that he made, I think he came dead last from the guys that, <laughs> that made, made the, cut. the cut. Okay. He made like. I think he made like eighteen thousand dollars that year on the PGA Tour, just like not great. Um, and then last year he was playing his last PGA Tour event, and he had to make a certain amount of money to keep his card, or else he was going back to the Web Q School. And he was four shots off the cut line, and he birdied fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen to make to, to make the cut to, on the number to make the cut on the number and to keep his card. <laughs> And then six months later, he won an event, and he collected like 1.6 million, and is pretty set for the rest of his career. But like, there's so many stories of guys that will like miss ten cuts in a row and then come first. Well, it's just it's the weirdest sport to try to explain, because like you, can, you your scores look like they're really far off, but like your swing is just like a little feel away from being really good. Yeah. And for someone who is starting to understand the mental side of the game a little bit better. Yeah. It's very curious to see guys that are in the top 10 in the world four years ago. Yeah. Now no one even knows who they are or, or just making a comeback. Like Duffner is a good example, right? Won a few tournaments Won a few. three or four years ago. Yeah. Fell off the face won of the major. earth. Yeah. It's, yeah, he won a major. He won yeah. a major. Sure. Yeah. And then disappears. That's why I think it's where we go back to consistency. Like the guys that are the most consistent week in and week out are usually the guys that are the best. They may not win all the time, but like a guy like Matt Kuchar, he doesn't, he, he, he wins like maybe he once. never wins. Maybe, maybe <laughs> wins once a year, but like you look at the leaderboard at the end of the week and it's like top 10, top 10, top 10, all top 10. And he's fine with that because he's catch, cashing like two, three, four, five hundred, five hundred thousand dollar checks every week. But it just shows how good that guy is consistently. Maybe I got to start with my club three inches off the ground. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just hover it a little bit. Matt Kuchar is he the only guy? He's the there's only guy few, that I can name. There's a few that do really? it, but he's like the biggest name that does it. Wait, so explain when you, that when yeah. you address the ball, yeah, meaning clubs are right up against the ball, you're ready to hit your shot. He lifts the club off the ground like. It looks like a lot. Quite maybe a bit. Maybe it's two inches, I don't yeah. know, three inches maybe. And then starts his backswing. So it's like his club is above the ball basically. So he, so he lines it up, picks it up, it, and then goes? Picks yes. it up, like, like hovers it, and yeah. then goes. Why does he do that? I don't know. Some guys like to start their swing that way because they're like, I don't know. I'd have to ask, you'd have to ask him. <laughs> Get him on the pod. <laughs> I'll DM him tonight. <laughs> Pick your <a> fly. <clears throat> I DM'd Pete Carroll. Last week. Yeah. What do you say? He said, uh, I'm currently in the middle of the draft. I'll get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm going to get him on. Did you say, Hey, Pete, why are all the Seahawks leaving? <laughs> I'm excited about the rebuilding. Yeah. Yeah. 
We weren't going to win with the team we had last year. I was just hoping they'd come to their senses and pay Russ eventually. Because that took too long. Do you think that's... So, obviously, I'm very excited about this topic. Would you be a Seahawks fan if they let him walk? Yeah, 100%. Would you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of money. (laughs) I know. What's the salary cap in the NFL? Can you look that up? No idea. Sure. Because he's getting $140 million over four years. But like, math on that. I think, I think, sometimes, Seahawks, I think sometimes Seahawks fans are brainwashed to thinking you can build a team like they did before. They were lucky when they didn't have to pay like Earl Thomas, Sherman, Russ, uh, another one of their DBs. They were like min-salary guys just because they... I think that's how you win, though. I think that's how you win... Cause like, the- because that's what the Patriots are doing right now. They have a shit ton of nobodies. Yeah. Right? They have Tom Brady they have and nobodies. Brady and then I think they have a lot of nobodies, but I think their nobodies are, like, good. Like, they're not paid, but they, they fill roles really, really well. Hmm. It's $189 million. So Russ has, like, 20% of that. Yeah. And there's 53 other guys they have to pay. <laughs> It's a lot of money. It's a ton. Um, It's really hard to get a franchise QB, though. Yeah. And when they're in negotiations, I was going back and forth, and I didn't decide either way. So I was happy if they kept him because I love him, and he wins wins games. He wins games that they shouldn't win. Yeah. Yeah. Even making the playoffs last year was ridiculous. But at the same time, an extra $40 million a year could be beneficial. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, so you think Tiger's going to win? You think Tiger's going to win an 82nd tournament? I think that he's going to win another major this year because there's two more majors that are at courses he's won at before. I think he's won at Bethpage and he's won at Pebble. I'd be very surprised if he wasn't like near the lead at Pebble. He's destroyed people there before. <laughs> like, I, was, like, so I played golf with Thierman yesterday. Yeah. And <laughs> we're walking down one of the fairways. I'm like, uh, next major's coming up soon, isn't it? And it's in, I think it's the same week as your tournament. Yeah. So, and Thurman's like, I think Tiger just went straight from the Masters to Bethpage. <laughs> and so we start lo- laughing and joking around. Like, he, he literally doesn't give a shit anymore. He just wants to win majors. He just wants to win He's just going to go from one to the other to the yeah. other. And he's going to play four tournaments a year. Yeah. Hopefully win one or two a year for the next five years. I, I love him. He's so good for the sport. I wouldn't play. I wouldn't have got into golf if it wasn't for him. Like my earliest memories are of him. Like my, he, he made it. He made it cool, to a degree. Like, do you hear that Phil Mickelson interview? When one of the reporters asked him, um, "You must hate Tiger because he's taken so much money away from you, or something like that." No, Tiger's made him all his money. That's what he said. Yeah. He's like, I fucking love Tiger. Yeah. If it weren't for Tiger, every every tournament win would be like a hundred thousand yeah. dollars. Now they're one point eight. <laughs> what what is it about him that draws people to him? I think it's, it's a, like the Michael Jordan factor. It's like it's that, and like he, like I think golfers are seen as like gentlemen yeah. and like guys that like don't show emotion when they play. And he was like one of the first guys that was like dropping f bombs on the course and like showing emotion, lot, fist yeah. pumps. Like he didn't give a shit about anybody else. Like he was just there to win. And like one of my favorite, one of my favorite interviews with him and it's, it's on the internet and it's awesome. It's this guy interviewing Tiger in his rookie year in the PGA tour. And the guy's like, Tiger, what do you expect from your first PGA tournament? And Tiger's like, well, you know, I go, I, I expect to win. 
And the interviewer's like, excuse me? And, he, and Tiger's like, I expect to win. And the interviewer's like, don't you think that's a slap in the face to the guys that have been out there for years and haven't won a tournament? And Tiger's like, he's like, why would I go out there if I'm not expecting myself to win the event? <laughs> and the interviewer is like speechless. Yeah. And that's just his attitude, which is amazing. Like, why would you, like, the goal isn't to participate. He was like, I'm going there to win. And he's it's, been like that his whole life. It wasn't like his first major. He won by like 12 strokes or something well, crazy. The, I think maybe the first Masters he won, he shot like 41 on the front. And the, the, all the broadcasts were like, well, maybe this guy isn't what he's like made out to be. And then he shot 30 on the back. And I think he won by like 10 or 12. He won, he won the 97 Masters by 12. 12. 12. That's and crazy. he shot 41 on the front. That's silly. So he had a few good days before that, apparently. <clears throat> talking about mental strength There's that not guy many, has he's he's a once of a generation guy right yeah. he's like he's like michael jordan he's like a wayne gretzky he's just he's the that guy that assumes they're winning every single time they play yeah i got a and question he, for he, you yes so you hate the patriots i do tom brady isn't a physical specimen no he's so shit he's fat what he has he believes he's going to win everything he plays in, though. I, I respect th- him a lot. Okay, I was going to ask. I you, do not you may like not him. like him, but you got to respect that you know he's not the most physically gifted, but he's probably one of probably the smartest quarterback, one of the smartest, and he's mentally stronger than everyone he plays against. I respect him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I saw him, if I saw him in the street, I would punch him in the nose. Yeah. I'd go to jail. I'm okay with that. But I'm glad you can admit you respect. Hundred percent. Because like, how do you how do you not anyone that says they do not respect see, someone that wins? Seen his draft day photos. <laughs> oh my god. Have you seen his stomach? <laughs> same as Peyton Manning, right? Those dad yeah, bods, Peyton man. Manning's the same type of person. Yeah. He's like they're just, six four, six five. They're just unathletic. More, they're more prepared, and they're. I don't think there's one second where they think like where they think they're going to lose. They're just going to go out there and they're going to do their thing. Down at halftime, twenty-seven to three. Yeah, that's the definition right there. Yeah. Okay, I want to give people who don't follow golf a little bit of an understanding of how hard it is to qualify for these tours. So, as of a few years ago, how long ago is this that they shuffled it? So now, Mackenzie Tour is third in line to PGA Tour. Yes, correct. That happened fairly so recently, right? The there's PGA Tour Canada, which is also the Mackenzie Tour. Uh. There's the Latino American tour out in South America, which are, are like, they're on the same level. PJ Tour Canada and Latino American are the same. Okay. They're just different tours. So they get spots to web.com as well? They get spots to web.com as well. Move up one step, that's the web. We'll move up one more step up, that's the PJ Tour. In the past, I think maybe, I don't know when it started, four or five years ago maybe, you used to be able to just register for... PGA Tour Q School, and it was six rounds. And can anyone do that? Uh, there's like some requirements. Okay, you need like a you need a bunch of tournament scores that like are under a certain number. Okay, and then, but, I couldn't uh, go. Um, I could I couldn't like work on my mental game with you this weekend, <laughs> and then go to that next weekend. <laughs> Unfortunately, no. <laughs> but in the past, like it was just you know, you have. You could prepare all year for Q School for the PGA Tour. You played well that year. 
and you were set. You'd be on the PGA Tour that year. And they moved it to having like levels. So now you have to, you can just go to web.com, but then if you get through web.com Q School, you have to play on the web for a year and then come top 25 on the money list and then you graduate on the PGA Tour. Or you can do the route that I'm doing and go to the McKenzie Tour first and then graduate to the web and then graduate to the PGA. So the talent level is way, way, way better than it's ever been because only the top, you know, when you're a pro golfer, you can string together six rounds in a row and which what it used to be for the PGA Tour yeah. Q School and just like be set for that week. Like you can just find something, play six good rounds in a row and get there. But now it's like, it's like two, three year process where you need to play good every single week of... I don't know. There's you can't really have a you can have a few terrible weeks, but like you need to be consistent for years at a time to get to where you want to be. Yeah. So okay, so progression is you qualify for Canadian tour through Canadian Tour Q school. Yeah. You qualify for web.com by either well, you have to play well in, the, to Canadian play well tour, in the Canadian tour and then go to web.com Q school. Yeah, and it's not like it's not like I don't want to shrink how hard it is to get from the McKenzie to the web. So like to automatically get onto the web from the McKenzie tour, you have to be top five on the money list. Out of 195? Out of, what was the number? I think, I think there's probably, there's about, about 200 guys with okay. McKenzie tour cards, but only like a hundred and 144 with my status, which is full status for the year. So like the other guys that have conditional status, they're not guaranteed any starts. Okay. Um, and like it's not like the guys in the McKenzie tour are like like that much worse than the PGA tour guys. Like the the guy who's I don't, I don't know what Aaron Wise. You could look up his world ranking. I think he's probably like thirty thirty fifth. My first Q school three years ago, he was at Crown Isle with me, and now he's ranked. He's that high in the world. And now he's ranked like thirty fifth but... in the world, maybe. So, like, the guys that are playing on the McKenzie Tour are, like, ready for the PGA Tour. And then there's guys past the McKenzie Tour on the web that are even closer, and they might not make it. So, it's like, you have to you have to take everything, like, one week at a time, but it's hard to not look. Like, there's a shitload of good golfers. And there's only 200 PGA Tour cards for everyone who plays golf in the world. What separates those guys? What separates the guys that are like top 10 in web.com mm-hmm. versus you or like the top 25 in Canadian tour? So I would, I would, this might sound a little braggy. I would, I would put my game against anyone on the McKenzie tour or the web. I would, I would, I would be fine playing against them and see how I did. I think the guys on the PJ tour who are the top in the world are just more consistent more of the time mm-hmm. anyone on the mckenzie the web or the pga tour can shoot between 60 and 70 every single time they play but the guys that are on the pga tour they turn their bad round of 75 into 70 whereas guys kind of where i am they turn their bad round of 75 into like 73 and over a four-day tournament that's like times time three shots by four that's 12 yeah. and you look at the end of the day you're like holy fuck i got beat by 12 yeah. But it's only like, it's just a little bit every day. Yeah. Like even if you lose a tournament, even if you lose a tournament by eight shots, it's two shots every day. It's not very much. 
but you look back on it afterwards this guy finished at eight under i finished it even it looks like a, like a big gap yeah and it's really not it's like that's an interesting thing about golf it's, eh? a, pu- it's a putter or swing per day yeah. that separates who the <laughs> like you look at you look at let's say basketball because nba is in the playoffs yeah say every game of a seven game series goes to overtime but if you add all the scores up, one team might have won by 27. Right, yeah, right? it's so yeah. close. Yeah, and like, oh, yeah. a 27-point difference? Oh, yeah. that was shitty. That's what golf does, right? Yeah. You add, you add up your four-day score. Yeah, exactly. I lost to this guy by one or two every day, but I lost by seven, which seems like a big number, right? It seems right? like a big, but it's, you know, it's, you know, it's a three-footer every day. It's like exactly really small. It's fucking... <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Okay, so... Also, to put it in perspective, this thing is hard, man. So there's, <laughs> there's 200 people on the McKenzie Tour, the Canadian Tour. I was looking at the money list last year, not to discourage you in any way, because I think you're going to web.com. 200 people on the, on the Canadian Tour, only 11 made 50 grand or more. Wow. The right? 11. Yeah. So the, I would say the McKenzie Tour isn't a place... It's not a place where people try to make it's money. A it's a stepping stone. Yeah. And you can't, the, if anyone's like listening that is trying to become a pro golfer, trying to get on the Mac tour, the Mac tour, you need to know it's not somewhere where you're trying to make you're not a lot there. of money. You're trying to use it as a stepping stone. How, let me ask you this. How do guys fund themselves from like college to, uh, if their goal is to play PGA or web.com? So, I'm lucky to have some help from some business people and some other golf companies, but mm-hmm. a lot of people that are as talented as me, they're not, they don't know the same people and they're either, they either can't play pro after a while cause they're just, their bank account is way too negative Yeah, or they just stop altogether. Like that's the hard thing about like golf. It's just hard. Like you have to, unless you're like, a, like the top, you know, 10 amateurs in the world where companies are seeking you out to pay you because they know, they just kind of know how good you're going to be, like a Spieth or a Ricky or someone like that. Um, unless unless you're getting, like, unless someone's trying to find you, be like, I want to pay for you to play because I know you're going to get there someday. Uh, you're ha- you're going to have to figure out how to live with not a lot of money for a while. What do guys do? Um, do they work full-time jobs? They a lot of them work part-time jobs on yeah. their week off. A lot of them, because the Mac tour is only, it's not a full season. It's like a summer season. Okay. They'll uh, play from May until September and then they'll work, you know, two jobs from September to January. And then they'll move to somewhere warm like I do to Arizona for the winter and practice and get prepared. But like, you are not like... <laughs> You're in some money trouble for a while unless you're one of the like very very top guys. It's probably it's probably hard to get good at golf if you're working two jobs for eight months of the year. It's man, it's hard. That's why like the money aspect is really important. Yeah. Like I could talk about that for a we could talk about that for a while for guys that like have are very very talented and have to stop playing because they just can't fund themselves. And it's hard to convince that that the hardest thing to do is to convince a sponsor of how good you are when you aren't like on the web or the pga because they don't unless you're into into golf you don't understand how hard it is to get to like that stage so if you're if you're approaching a sponsor in a meeting with a sponsor and you're like i'm 
you know, I'm this close to me on the PGA Tour, I'm this close to the web. Uh, I will give you advertising space on my bag, on my hats, on my shirts, if you fund me a little bit of money for the season. And they'll be like, well, you know what? You're not, you know, I don't know. How can you convince someone of how good you are if you don't have, like, status on a tour? Yeah. Because a lot of guys are very good, but it's hard to get status somewhere. And I understand it from both sides, being the pro, but also the business. You don't want to give money to someone when you don't, like, actually believe in what you're giving the money for. Because money, regardless of how much money you have, it's still shitty when you have to give it to someone. What are those conversations like? Because um, up until four days ago. So my, yeah. You getting, didn't getting, have a, a status? I didn't, I didn't have status. And as soon as I got status, I got approached by some companies and uh, I'll be wearing Titleist gear because Titleist is going to help me out during McKenzie year. But like, I wasn't, I wasn't like that different. This, this is good because I wasn't that different a player last year than I am this year. But mm-hmm. as soon as they see that you're a PGA Tour member with a card, they're like, you know what, this guy, like this guy's for real. I'm going to help him out. But for the guys that, and it's just the one week at Q school, like <laughs> it's four days of an entire, of your entire life where it determines like where you're going. So that's an important thing to note if we haven't yet. Yeah. Is that to make the Canadian tour. Yeah. There's one, you're only allowed, there's six there's tournaments. Six, there's six there's different, six si- they call them sites. Yeah. So yeah. it's six different Q schools. But you're only allowed to go to one. Yeah. So you can only play four rounds of golf each year to make the Canadian tour. Yeah. So if you have one bad round in those four, <laughs> you got to wait a year. So that's why you keep saying You silly. don't have to have a bad day. Like there's 14, there's four, out of 125 guys, right. there's 14 spots for each site. So add that up for six times 14, whatever that is. I'm not a great math guy. So <laughs> I don't know times by 120 so it's like it's the smallest smallest amount of guys that get their card and i was lucky enough to get it this year and as soon as you get that you kind of your career kind of takes off a little bit but for the guys that don't make it like it's not like they're shitty golfers they're just you know they didn't have it that week i was literally them the last three years how many uh how many years did you miss it this is my third this This is my third. third try um and I like, I wasn't close the first year. I played better the second year. I was ended up not being very close because I had a bad day. And then this year I just played well. But like, it's not like I was that much better of a player. It's just golf. Like you have bad weeks and you have good weeks. It just kind of depends where it comes out. Because you've been pro for how many years? Uh, I turned pro in the winter of 2015. If I remember correctly, you won a shit ton of tournaments on the VGT. Yeah, when I turned pro I remember as at a one rookie, point I texted Mike. I hadn't talked to him like a month. I'm like, how's it going? Are you playing well? I knew there was a winter tour in, VG, in Vancouver Golf Tour, VGT. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, pretty good. I've won four tournaments in a row. Yeah. Was it four? Uh, Three or my, four? My rookie, my rookie season, I looked it up the other day because I was putting together like a sponsor cover letter with achievements. And I didn't place in the money my first two events, and then I won six in a row. Six in a row. <laughs> and then I came like 10th in one of them, and then the, my seventh win, I shot 60 at Kings Links. Did you hear that, Carl? A 60. 60. That's crazy, man. I was looking up some golf stats today. Curiosity a little bit to see where I place. 
but also to see where you play. <laughs> uh, one of the stats one of these articles had was 2% of adult golfers in the world can shoot under 80. Yeah. 2%. That's it, eh? Yeah. Mike shot 20 shots better than that in a tournament. In a tournament. So, Carl, that is not like Denny plays, fluffing it up. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's playing it down. Real rules. Yeah. <laughs> and it was in the winter. So yeah. you're probably hitting the ball like it's 10% less far, than what you usually but hit. It's very humbling to like win, to like turn pro and win six events and then like shoot a record like I shot and then be like kind of cold for two years. Cause it's really hard, really easy to get down on yourself when you're like on a high that quickly when you turn pro and be like, you know what, I can do this. And then you start, you know, you start not winning and then each tournament gets harder and harder to play well because you're putting more pressure on yourself and then it just adds up over time okay a couple things i want to talk to you about in that yeah. one is like pressure yeah uh, that you put on yourself going into an event like school, you it's one one tournament a year me and my but, sports guy call it expectation management which is, is like that Bryn? no it's a different guy okay. in phoenix um go on hold on let's talk on the other side first okay. so in basketball, I always had this term like in the zone. Yeah. When you like, it's not even a feeling that you think things are going to go in every time you shoot. Yeah. It's no matter what I do, the ball is going in the hoop. It doesn't matter if I'm looking at the hoop or not, it's going in. That happens in golf. So, and I can imagine shooting 60 that it's happening. In golf, it's like when things are going well, like you can make a bad swing and the ball is still going straight and you hit a bad putt and it still goes in. And then we get on rough stretches and you're hitting good putts or you're making good swings. And you th- think things are going well, and you'll, when it's going good, you'll have a bad day and you'll shoot, you know, 68. And then when things are going bad, you'll think you have a good day and you'll shoot like 75. And it's just all, it's like part, like a very small part of it is physical, but like 90% of that is mental. What's that? F- okay. I've never really had that. I've had that a couple times in golf, maybe. And it's obviously a different level than you, but just, hitting the ball in the direction that I want it to go for me yeah. every time is really exciting. Yeah. <laughs> but wh- I guess like, what does that in the zone feeling feel like for someone who's very good at golf? Um, like, okay. So, okay. L- inter- l- let me say this. Yeah. Let me ask you this, a really direct question. Cause that was really open-ended. You are let whatever you were on the what were you on the front there on that 60 at kingslings yeah. uh 32 was it 30, 30 was 32 28 32 28 in the back was it 36 on the back yeah i said par 72 36 36 four under eight under <laughs> <laughs> okay so i'm assuming you pick up some speed in the early part of the back nine yeah are you then like are you in a mode where you're like, no matter if it's a red pin, I'm going straight at it. I was just going to say that. So like when you get in the zone like that, you feel like regardless of what club you have in your hand, it could be a five iron or a wedge. Like the ball is going to go where you want it to go. <laughs> and it's a sick feeling. Cause it like that comes up, like maybe f- like a guy like me, like once every few months, like it rarely, rarely comes up. I was going to ask you how often once every few months, like in the zone like that, in the zone like that, like maybe once a year, but like you feel. Do you know what triggers it? Uh, not really. Like, because in basketball, it it's not necessarily like 
it's, it's not necessarily you warm up any different or you do literally do anything different. Tie your shoes different, like wear different socks. I wore different socks on different days. So that's why I said bring that yeah. up. But it's more just like I kind of get lucky in the first few minutes of the game. So meaning like I shoot a three that looks like it's way off and it hits the back rim and bounces in. I'm like, all right, sweet. Okay, so that's a good point. So here, here's my story from that day from 60 at Kings Links. Yeah. So first hole, I get up and down for par. Second hole is a par, is a little dog leg around, a, around some water. And I block my drive and it's going towards the water. And it's like a 300-yard carry. And it lands in the water and skips out. <laughs> no way. So, How have you not told so, me this? So if my ball doesn't skip out of the water, I'm hitting three off the tee. Yeah. And because it's not, I'm playing from 315 yards on a par five, <laughs> like hitting like an eight iron in instead of reteeing. Yeah. So I made four there instead of eight. And then from there, I just, I don't like, like the little, the littlest break ever turned into like the best round I've ever had. So you refer back to that. Was there a change in mindset at that point? It it wasn't a change in mindset. I was just like, like, I wasn't like, okay, I'm going to go shoot a low number now. I was just like, wow, that was lucky. And then I just played my round normally. But that round never happens if you don't get lucky to start the day. Can you explain? So you mentioned in a big event like Q School, Mm -hmm. you're not going at red pins. Yep. But on a day that you're feeling really good, you are going at red pin. So where does that switch happen? Um, that's a good question. So to start the day on the range, you usually know pretty quick if you're like hitting it really well or you kind of need does to scrape Does that translate around. well? Because uh, I feel for, the opposite. For, it, can, it can be the opposite <laughs> a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, for me personally, I, I know after a range session if I'm hitting it where I want to be hitting it. And okay. I kind of adjust my game to that. Okay. Um, but I've had, I've had days where like, it's my worst practice. It's like my worst range session ever. And I'll go out and I'll play great. Yeah. I can have days where I'm hitting it awesome on the range. I'll go out and the ball's not going where it's just like, it's just a fucking dumb sport. It's a weird <laughs> like, sport. <laughs> it's we keep coming back to the same point like, that like, my, explain the game of golf. No one knows how. Yeah, It's <laughs> like my, my buddy, it's a crap John, my, my buddy, my caddy. Yeah. Like we talk about this all the time. Like, like, it's not like you, you pick another sport. Like you pick basketball. It's not like you war it's not like you have pregame up and your jumper's good and you go into the game and you're just bricking it. Like <laughs> that happened. To, that happens to me all the time though. Does it? All the time. Yeah. So it's it's weird like when i play other sports like if i play basketball i'm not a casual player but in high school like if i had a good warm-up where i was shooting well and stuff like i'd feel pretty confident there was but in golf like if you're like it sometimes it trend sometimes practice rain translates to the t and sometimes it doesn't and it doesn't make any sense why that happens i'll give you an example about basketball <laughs> Uh, when I was at UBC, we had a game at T- uh, Thompson Rivers University. And is that Kamloops? Kamloops, right? Cam- yeah, Kamloops. Yeah, Kamloops. In warm up, I missed one shot in warm up. Warm up's like 25 minutes long yeah. in university. So I probably took 40 to 50 shots. And it was getting ridiculous. Like, guys on my team were laughing because <laughs> I just kept going further and further back. And at the end of warm up, I was shooting threes from like, 10, 15 feet outside the three-point line, which is stupid. Yeah. I missed one shot in warm-up. <laughs> yeah. It was dumb. Like I was getting the ball just like 
doing these stupid fadeaways and everything literally went in. Yeah. First shot of the game, I get, uh, I remember Josh, <laughs> Josh White drives to his left, draws my defender, kicks to me in the corner, wide open, two feet long. Really? <laughs> Missed the entire hoop. <laughs> and he looks at me, he's like, what the fuck just happened? Because he was one of the guys that was just laughing at yeah. warm up because he saw me hit, literally hit everything. It doesn't, and in golf, I feel like that a lot, actually. I feel like there's some days that I go to the range and hit balls for 20 minutes and I'm hitting everything, 80% of my shots exactly where I want it to, and then I shoot 85. And then there's other days where I chunk three wedges on the, on the range. Yeah, and then... And I shoot 74. Yeah. I'm playing yeah. amazing and hit every putt, and it's just... Anyway, I don't understand golf at all. Yeah, <laughs> me neither. <laughs> but... uh so if you compare sports like that, so in golf, you're talking about like being in the zone or basketball being in the zone. Mm-hmm. So say you make your first shot in basketball, you feel good. Make the second one, you make third one. After a while, you feel like you can't miss. Mm-hmm. But it, and say in golf, you make your first 10 footer, you feel good. Make your second 10 footer, you feel good. And then it feels like you're just, you're like, you're not going to miss on the greens that day, but it works the exact opposite way. If you miss your first 10 footer, yeah. and then you miss your second five footer, then you miss, you miss. It feels like whatever you do, it's just not going in. And I can't speak to you guys in basketball, but I'm sure it's a similar feeling if, you know, you, you miss your first shot, you miss your second shot, you miss your third shot. It just kind of, it, the, just the pressure adds off. up. That's it, a difference it, in a sport like that. Okay. Yeah. So golf, you have to play the ball from where it goes, yeah. right? In basketball, if I miss a couple shots in a row... I would always be like, the next time I get the ball, I'm going to the hoop as hard as I can. I'm going to make a layup, that's the right? Thing, that's the thing about golf that I think is way different, which is what attracts people, is that you, you or it, maybe it doesn't attract people, does the opposite, but you don't get a second, like you don't get a second chance. Like you could miss, you could miss, you could miss your first three-pointer in basketball and you next possession, you get another shot at it. In golf, you hit a really bad shot that is just there the whole day on your scorecard. Like, it's right in front of you. You know what the best golf line of all time I've heard is? It's from Rick. From Rick? From Rick? Yeah. He said, uh, he's like, you always got to hit your second shot first. Because <laughs> he's the king. He's the king of, like, hitting a drive into the water. Putting another ball down immediately, hitting a drive, middle of the fairway. <laughs> yeah. Just always hit your second shot first. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I think we... Oh, no, you know... I want to ask this question. I want to... I wanna, see if you have an answer to this question is like how do you is there a turning point in a round where you understand that today you're feeling it is there that's a good question um and is there a switch that happens or you're just do do you consciously go through switch but there's a point where you feel like you feels like you're not going to hit the ball offline. Yeah. And that's kind of the feeling that you get. And so they, your red, your the, red pin red, goes, for, it goes, goes like this, just, right? It just, the tar, the, like your shotgun pattern just gets really, really small for that day. So your bad shot is still really good. Yeah. But that doesn't happen often. That's what people don't understand about professional golf. Professional golfers hit bad shots. They're just either smarter about where they're aiming or their bad shots are just, uh, their their bad shots just aren't as bad as other people's, mm-hmm. but we do hit bad shots quite a bit. Just doesn't look like it because of what we're trying to do at the time. I mean, just like I know this is getting really technical, and I didn't want to get that technical, but I want to say this anyway. 
It's your podcast. <laughs> exactly. It's our podcast, Carl. Club selection yeah. and picking a spot to hit is so important. There's so many times in a round of golf where I get penalized because I hit it above the pin. You know, if I just would have taken one club less and hit it 30 feet short of the pin, yeah. I make a par. But because I wanted to stick it, that, you know, yeah. I wanted to hit it to five feet, yeah. I'm now 10 feet over the pin and I make, I'm three putting because it's straight downhill, you know? There's so many, so many circumstances like that. Yeah. What percentage of golf is mental versus physical? Uh, Car- can I, can answer I, this carefully because you need to be really good physically. You need to practice so much to shoot under par gonna, in golf. I'm going right? to answer that in like, I'm going to separate the two. So when you get to my level, yeah, like as a pro on a tour, I would say that 90% of the players can do pretty very close to the same thing. Some guys hit it a lot farther and are more physically gifted that way. But there are like there's tons of instances where guys don't hit it as good, but their mental game is way, 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 way better. So they score better. So I would say in professional golf, it's 90, 90% mental, 10% physical. But you have the freaks like DJ and Rory that just hit it better than guys. Yeah. Um, but the best player ever, Tiger, I would say that he is by far mentally stronger than anybody. Like, it's just, he doesn't hit it the farthest anymore. He doesn't hit it the straightest, but he, he definitely doesn't hit it straight anymore. No, but he, <laughs> he, he, he knows how to manage himself mm-hmm. and he can get the, he can just, he can get it around. But, and then I'll say in terms of guys like your talent, say like a 10, 5'10 cap, it's probably 50-50. Like to get to, to get to where I am, it takes the physical part. But when, once you're there, it's more mental to get to the highest tour. Yeah. But to get better where you are, it's more physical than mental, if that makes sense. Who, who's a guy on the PGA Tour that, is not good physically, but just has a ridiculous mental game. So I stuck around there a while. Good question. Um, I think a lot of the guys nowadays that hit the ball really short would be the guys that are the strongest mentally. For whatever reason, Webb Simpson pops into my head. Have you seen that guy's golf swing? It's absolutely, so ugly. absolutely disgusting. <laughs> he hits like, hooks all the time. Looks bad. Looks bad. <laughs> sounds bad just is bad physically gets it around but it's just he's won the players he's won a major he won he's, the PG, uh, he's a Ryder Cup Open. guy yeah. yeah it's incredible I don't understand him he's like 5 foot 7 no maybe he's Same as, maybe he's 5 9 I don't know uh, I was reading I, was, I have a book that I read for like mental strength and stuff like that and one of the quotes was when Zach Johnson won the Masters they were the the interviewer was asking him and he started I think he started one shot behind Tiger and he ended up beating Tiger which is really hard to do coming from behind and beating Tiger back when Tiger was Tiger and Zach Johnson was quoted he's like he's like hey my he's like my name's Zach Johnson I'm from Cedar Rapids Iowa uh but I know how good I am and he, he just like no one else no one else knew who he was but in his mind there was no one that was going to beat him that day and he was not as physically talented as anybody else, but he knew that 
if he did what he did, he was going to win at the end of the day. He's got a stubby little swing too, doesn't yeah, he? He does. <laughs> Can we talk about mental game a little bit? Because mm-hmm. from an outsider or a spectator of EQ, I've seen you go from very mediocre to, from my perspective of the final round at Key School, without you knowing I was there. Yeah. Very impressive. Yeah. What? And that was in like, a three or four year window. Yeah. Um, have you, obviously you've like consciously I've, been I've, aware of it. I've con I've, I've worked on that stuff as hard as I've worked on like my physical ability. What are you doing to work on that side? Uh, I see someone for it. We talk about all that stuff. Um, I read a lot more than I used to. It's like a golf psychologist. Yeah. It's like a sports psych. Nice. Okay. Um, and that's helpful. Super, super, super. Helpful. Can you talk about like what you talk about in those meetings? Uh, yeah um, you can say no no i would love to talk about yeah. it i just gotta just gotta figure out where i want to go with it because it's it's a lot of topics um but biggest example i can use is that first three rounds at q school i hit the ball really good scored this well year. this year okay. fourth round you were there i first five holes i was everywhere we're gonna talk about that okay can I, should I not talk about it yet? Yeah, you choose another topic. Okay. That's um, going to be a good one. Okay. Um, where should I go with this? Then? What's like, it's just putting. Like, mentally, how much is... Putting is mostly mental. Putting is mostly mental. Yeah. Because um, for someone who hit the ball as well as you did, yeah, you went from, again, this is a... You can say it. I was very a very blunt... Terrible putter person who is obsessed with getting better yeah you were shit yeah i was you're shit and the fact what i how i knew you were shit is because you just kept switching putters every year yeah it's like oh he's blaming on the putter again yeah he's got this fucking dorky stick that's like i think 97 inches high i think i think once i took control of both my like success and failure was when i figured it out mentally like as soon as I accepted responsibility for both like my playing well and my playing poorly, I could like understand why my brain was how it was. Mm-hmm. Cause like whenever I, whenever I played well, I would congratulate me. And whenever I played poorly back then, it was like, you know, this went wrong. I got unlucky here. I did whatever, whatever. And I wasn't doing what I had to, to actually improve what was going wrong. Make sense? hundred. 100 yeah. percent all i'm thinking about while you're saying that is one of my favorite gary v quotes yeah ever is everything is your fault yeah so he this is how he explains it is everything's my fault i run a company with a thousand employees someone makes a mistake i hired that person yeah it's my or i hired the person that hired that person yeah it's my fault once you understand that your life is in your control and accountability is on you and no one else it's such a ridiculously freeing to experience. Me, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so how did how did you realize that? Was that sports psych? That was, was part that- sports psych and part like part myself. Like I would, I got to the point when you go to see a sports psych, you have to be like if you're not brutally honest with them, you're wasting your money. Like, just like any psycho. If, yeah. yeah. Just like Anything. any like if you go in there and they're like, okay, 
you know, they'll ask you, what are your strengths in golf? And you'll be like, okay, I, I drive it well, I hit it well. And they'll be like, what are your weaknesses? And you'll like, you can either be brutally honest, which is, it's like, it's, it's hard to do as a kid sitting next to somebody you don't know and be like, you yeah. know what? I'm bad at this. I'm bad at this. I need to improve at this. And when I first went there, I was like, uh, like I, I have a lot of positives and I didn't really talk about my weaknesses as all. Cause I, as soon as you, I guess as soon as you verbalize it, like it, it's like real. It, 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 that makes sense. Like it becomes real. It yeah, becomes yeah. as soon as you like say it out loud, it becomes real to you. And I think I just tried to kept, I kept trying to like push it down and down. And if I didn't speak about it, I would, it would act like it wasn't a thing. And then I got to the point when I turned pro and I was like, like I started seeing how well people put, I was like, it's like, you need to take control of this or else you're not going to go anywhere. And as soon as I admitted that to myself, I could, I like, I could finally fix it. You know, what's really cool about admitting stuff to yourself. Yeah. No one else cares. No. Right. No. Mike Bell says, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a worse putter than I should be. Yeah. All right. Sweet. It's okay. Yeah. Let's, let's work on that. No one cares. No. In your head. You're like, oh, fuck, people are going to think I'm a shit golfer. 100%. Because I think I'm a bad putter. Yeah. Right? It's all in it's, your head. It's, it's so completely mental. in your head. Yeah. Um, and I think, like, the the two biggest things for my sports psych were, like, uh, admitting weaknesses. Because as soon as you admit them, then you can, like, come up with a routine to improve it. Mm-hmm. And then coming up with, like, an identity statement of who you are as a player. And that's kind of like a, we did like a, it's like a two, it's like a two line phrase for your identity statement that we use that helped me quite a bit. And that was like, first you, your, your first thing is saying what you think you're the best at. And then the second one is like where you want to be in your career. So for a long time, I didn't like for a long time, I was just like going through the motions. I'd show up to events. I'd play, I'd be like, whatever, whatever. And then as soon as I started doing that, I had a plan. I had goals. I had whatever, whatever, whatever to get to where I wanted to be. And, uh, like my identity statement to start the year was, uh, you hit, you hit driver as well as anybody you belong on the PGA tour. And as soon as you, like, as soon as you write something down and you repeat it to yourself and as soon as you start, as soon as you start telling yourself something, you start to believe it, which is why the mental, like the negative stuff in the, I think that that's what people don't understand. The negative and the positive work the same. If you tell yourself all the yeah. time, you're a shitty putter, you're a shitty golfer. You believe that as soon as you have an identity statement that says, you know, you're a great driver you're going to be on the PGA tour. You believe that like you can, you can feed off that the same way as telling yourself you're shit. Do you, you know, can I, I have a question to ask cause this is how I felt when I was a kid. Yeah. Are you embarrassed to admit your goals? Were uh, you? I, I know you're not now. I'm not now, but were you? I don't, I don't know. So for me, I don't know if embarrassed was the right, is the right word, but skeptical, but skeptical or if, I, it was like what I said before, if I, if I wrote down, if I wrote down my goals Mm -hmm. and I didn't succeed them, succeed them, I would feel like a bigger failure than if I didn't say what my goals were. Yeah. You know, like, let's say you're 17. Were you, were you like really into golf then? 
When are we when are you really into golf where you're like my in your third, head? My third and fourth year of university, I started to take it more seriously. So let's say you're twenty one. Yeah. You run into someone at a party, they ask you what you do. Yeah. You say you're a golfer. Yeah. You're like, oh, what do you want to do with that? What's your answer? Was it not really sure I'll figure it out, or was it like I'm gonna fucking play on the PGA no, tour? It was like I it was like half hearted. It was like I'm not really sure I'd love to get to the PGA tour, but like yeah. Like I didn't even believe the words I was saying. Why? Because uh, I think Canada fucking sucks for this. I think that everyone in Canada thinks, "Oh, we're mediocre at everything." Why? And our our fallback is, "We have a tenth of the population as the U.S. That's why we that, suck." That's what we we always say. It's because we don't have as many people. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Um. I was. I just like. I, we're just born. I, I went. This I, is, okay. The, I, I need to, to fucking the say this, okay? Like we're born for mediocrity in Canada, yeah. and I'm not putting up with it anymore. <laughs> Mike and I are are fucking putting our foot in the stand right here. We're not. <laughs> no. <laughs> Neither of us are going to be mediocre, and I suggest that you don't either. But I. So this is my whole thing. I used to be more content with not having goals written out and being okay if I didn't reach the goals that I came up with in my head, if I had any. And now I feel much better about myself saying, this is my goal. If I get there, awesome. If I don't get there, I, I went for it. Instead of like half-assing it and looking back in fucking like 40 years being like, you, you half-assed your entire career. Like I'd rather go for it mm -hmm. with a goal in mind and not get there and like be happy with myself than being like, you know what? Like... You obviously like you were never gonna make it with the mindset you had to begin with. That was my crutch too. Yeah, my crutch was I had big goals in my head. Yeah, and when people asked me what my goals were, or to let, or you know when you go to the stupid provincial team camps and they're like, you need to write things down. Let's do some goal setting bullshit. In my head, it was always like, this is bullshit. My goals are in my head, but until you like express them, it's different. So like my path, my outlet for this type of thing in the last few years has been Instagram. Yeah. If I say it on there, people now know about it. Yeah. Right. Rather than in my head, like one of the goals this year was to work out or run or both yeah. every single day, 365 days for 2019. If I put it in my head and I wake up hungover one morning, I'm like, ah, fuck, I'm not going to run today, but I've said it on Instagram and on the podcast multiple times. So I have to do it. It's the same thing, right? Hey, and I think that, it's such a simple thing to write something down, but it's so important because mm -hmm. it's right there in front of you. And if you have like a, if, if you have something physical in front of you, reminding you of that every single time. So I, I told Nicole a story the other day. Uh, Nicole's my girlfriend for anyone who doesn't know. Nicole is a, is an absolute sweetheart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's a unicorn. Um, so I told her, I, and I didn't tell anyone this at the start of, January of 2019 I like I like had I like sat down with myself and I was like this is what you need to do to get where you want to go and for me to do that I wrote down goals and then this weird thing happened where uh like for some reason I can never remember my passwords for anything so I have to <laughs> I have to go through the process of resetting everything but every time I reset a password my reset password would be like would be like Mike Bell is a tour guy in 2019. Like my password would be a, like an identity statement 
So every time I had to log into something, it would remind me of where I wanted to go. And it like really helped me like being more positive in my career. It's like, it's, it's fucking stupid. No, like, amazing. But like it, it helped me like just having it there saying, you know what? Uh, and it was like, after a while I started to like believe it because you see it all the time. Okay. I do like your reason for that. But there is a solution for password loss. It's called it's called LastPass. LastPass. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's a website or app or something. I don't know where you literally. So you only need to remember one password. Yeah, you need to remember your LastPass password. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, LastPass is a program where you have all your shit. So oh, you have yeah. your email, your online banking, you have your SHA, your yeah, what, yeah. everything in there with your email, password, email, password, email, password. Automatically puts it into. When you type in rbc.com yeah, or worldbank.com, yeah. banking, whatever, automatically auto-populates your username oh, and password. You need to remember your LastPass password. Though. My LastPass <laughs> last password. So just put that as like master's winner yeah. 2021. No, it's, it's something stupid and silly, but like it, you, you see it all the time yeah. and it helps. I like that. Yeah. Okay, I want to come back to... Um, pressure we talked a little bit about the other side how much pressure i guess how do you avoid putting pressure on yourself in such a crazy event like a q school where you have one four-day tournament per year to make the next step in your career um because that is really difficult to put back into like a business world scenario a lot of sports i think translates to business this is different so in the last couple Q schools I went to, it was like a do or die thing for me. And golf's hard to begin with. And as soon as you make golf like a do or die thing on every shot, it's impossible. And the best advice I got this year from my sports psych and a couple other pros was that Q school is just one week and it, it doesn't define you as a person or as a golfer. And I try to tell myself that all the time. So anyone can play good for like a one week stretch. Everyone can pay bad for one week stretch. But you have to try to separate the fact that Q school doesn't, it doesn't like, it It, it, it says, if you get through Q school, it says you're a PGA Tour member and it's important, but you have to try to separate the fact that uh, it doesn't define you. Like it doesn't, it, it doesn't show how good of a golfer you are or how bad you are as a golfer. It's just a one week tournament. Mm. But you have to, and I don't know how I did it or if I even did it, but this year it was just easier for me to separate the fact that it's just a one week tournament. I'm going to let it play where it does. And if I get through, I get through. If I don't, I don't. But, uh, I put less, I definitely put less pressure on myself, but it's hard to, it's super, super hard to tell yourself it's just another week when that one week determines your you know, your career arc for the year or for your life. It literally determines the next 12 months. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. I guess, like, I guess if, if you go to a business scenario, you could, you could say it's that one interview or that it's one interview or like the one business meeting that you're trying to lock down a, like a super client or whatever. But a lot of the business in the business world, you don't know what's happening. Yeah. So you don't feel that pressure. Right. And it's not, it's not like, it's not like it's pressure for the week at Q school you're practicing it's not the four days you're practicing it's you're practicing for from jan from january 1st until 
May 1st, you're practicing for Q School. If you get through, you're on PGA Tour. And if you don't, from May 5th until May 1st of next year, all your practices is for Q School. (laughs) So year after year after year, if you keep doing it, it's like it's harder and harder and harder. Yeah. And although it's harder and harder, you have to tell yourself that it doesn't define who you are. But it's hard. It's fucking like... I don't know if I'm rambling. Does this make all, does all make sense? hundred percent. Okay. Okay. Honestly, thinking like, about it from your perspective is terrifying. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, like if I had it's one house shitty. to sell yeah. or one listing appointment one to get, yeah, yeah. and if I don't get it, I can't work again for a yeah. year. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot, there's a shit there's, ton there's of pressure in that. But like, but then going into that sales meeting, you can't be like fucking jittery or like, yeah. or like freak out the client. Cause then you're definitely not going to get it. But that's the thing I'm saying is that for me, I never know that that would be happening. No. Like going into no. a meeting, I never know that this is a client who for the next 15 years is going to yeah. buy and sell seven times. Yeah. Also is going to refer me 12 <laughs> of their friends. I never know that. Right. I think it's one specific client, one specific deal Yeah. for a year. It's like this one week, these four days yeah. could either change my life for the better yeah. or make me go into a downward depression. Oh yeah. And in the past, I've after after Q school, I'm the last few years, I've been like, like I've 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 left Q school missing my card by like ten shots and be like, you need to quit, like you're not good enough, you need to quit. And then I've had, luckily, I've had like a good, uh, like team behind me being like, you know what, this is just it's one week, you didn't play well this week, you got to keep at it. But like if I didn't have people behind me being like, you should keep at this, it's a whole whole different story. And some people that do what I do don't have that team, so they turn Q school into this like do or die scenario. And it's nice that we're on a pod with someone who plays golf because you know how hard golf is, but golf is a fucking joke. It is way too hard. If you put like a life or death scenario on every shot, like even tapping in a fucking two footer. If you're like, Oh my God, I need to make this or else I'm not employed. (laughs) Well, Okay. Coming back to an am golfer, an amateur golfer. Like, let's say I have a four footer for birdie. Yeah. Versus a four footer for double. Yeah. I walk up to the four footer for double. I'm pissed off. I hit it as hard as I can. It goes in the back of the hole. Yeah. The four footer for birdie. I'm looking at it from both sides of the hole. I'm taking four because or five there's minutes. Con- because there's consequence in your head if you miss the four footer for birdie. Exactly. There's no consequence if you miss putt for double. I'm taking the double anyway. There's a consequence. At Q- <laughs> there's a consequence. <laughs> there's a consequence for Q school for every single shot. Exactly. And I don't. There's. Okay. I think I had what did I have two. I had two hundred and sixty-eight shots at Q school. I think. So. If you put pressure on 268 shots, you're probably not going to have 268 shots. You're going to have 300. <laughs> it's just, it's a different, it's a different animal than, and I've played a lot of tournament golf and big tournaments and nothing rivals like the feeling at Q school. Can I, I want to express how excited I am. Yeah. And you just gave me some golf credibility. <laughs> so I feel like I'm allowed to say this now yeah. at this point in the, co- in the podcast. I was saving this for a while. You hit the ball better than anyone I've ever seen live. And a lot of guys that I see on TV, and I watch a shit ton of golf. For an amateur golfer, I watch more golf than most people. Yeah. I, more than I care to admit. <laughs> 
I'll go home at night after work, Carl, at like 9 p.m. and watch Golf Town for two hours. Why? <laughs> really? I'm eh? obsessed. I like, it's fucking fun. And I hate shooting 82. <laughs> I am so excited for you yeah. that you've made this progress in the last few years. I'm so excited that you're, you seem like you're in a phenomenal place mentally. And it's gone from like, oh shit, I hope I don't screw up to I'm going to murder you. Yeah. Like, or I guess golf is a bit, it's individual. It's more like I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to play well today rather than like, I hope I don't hit a bad shot. More like I'm going to like, it's more like I'm going to beat the golf course. Like, like as opposed to I'm going to beat this person, unless it's match play where it's like one V one. It's like, okay, I'm going to do what I can do to like, you know, um, there's so many mental things in golf. That's one of the other ones. Like in the final round, he's playing with two other guys. So there's three guys in a group. The other two guys mean nothing, but you have to like somewhat pay you still attention care, to them. Right? Those, those two guys could head. take they could take up two of the spots that you're trying to get for your card. Right. But if you like, are we? We're still going to talk about the Q school stuff. We're getting there. So, so I, got, I got some good. I got some good stuff on that. Okay. <laughs> Should we go there now? Uh, we could, yeah. Because there's what direction you want to go? Because they're on the second hole. One guy in his in his group, who I think was tied with you at the end of the, or at the end of the yeah, second day, or at the end of the third day. So he, he holes out from one thirty to make eagle on number two. Yeah, it's dumb, right? It's just a fluke shot. He had a great shot, but it's a fluke that it goes in the hole. Yeah, hundred percent is. But so I talked about this with my parents after I got my card. My emotions. Hold on, say that one more time. What? After you got your what? After I got my card. Yes. (laughs) Um. So my emotions after five holes versus the guy I was playing with after five holes vastly different. (laughs) He was he was five under through five. Were you tied with him at the end? I was tied from at the end of the third round. Okay. And then after five holes, I was losing him by eight. So let's set the stage. And you a can't bit. compare yourself to someone else because you you shouldn't compare yourself to someone else because then you just get more and more in your head. Yeah. But at the same time, you're like, holy, like holy fuck, like the course isn't that hard. He's fucking five under. I'm three over. Like, what am I doing? And then that's just, I don't know. It was hard for you. Think about how hard it was for me. To, to watch? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's set the stage a little bit. Mike, it's a four-day tournament at Q-School. Mike is T6 going into the final round on Friday. 14 guys get Canadian tour cards. Alex and I, good friend Alex, decide to go over and not tell Mike who's on the island. Love you, Alex. Talk shit about you, but I love you. <laughs> <laughs> We decided to go over, but we don't want to tell Mike we're coming because we don't want to fuck with him. So we want him to crush it. If we're there, I don't know if it's going to boost him and make him excited and play better or make him more nervous. So we decide not to do anything Mm -hmm. so that it's even. And this is literally our goal going into the day. If he played shitty and wasn't going to make, wasn't going to get a tour card, we were going to leave. Don't tell him. <laughs> Not tell him we were there. Send him a text that night. Be like, hey, buddy, tough day. Whatever, whatever, whatever. And if he did make it, we were just going to show up on the 18th green. My idea was to tackle him, like just to run onto the green. But seeing 
the like there was a few people around the 18th green and it was a fairly professional tournament like it was purity <laughs> held some importance i thought that wouldn't be that good especially if like he had a ball mark down and i tackled him and his foot hit the ball mark and I, moved. I didn't want to be that guy so we waited till anyway so the stage is set alex and i are there hiding in bushes throughout the entire round yeah first tee shot looked pretty good from where i was with my head poking out behind a tree it was a good shot just into the rough rough, yeah i guess let's skip to like the first five let's talk about the first because the first five yeah i'll give it the first five in the last 13 was vastly different very very different so last day of q school you're in a spot to i'm not gonna say i'm not gonna say it's harder being in a spot that you're already gonna get a card versus outside but maybe if you're outside you feel like you're not losing anything if you play shitty you know like Mm -hmm. versus me if you play shitty you're like oh i was right there and then i played bad the last day like i choked hold on can we explore that a little bit so you're in a spot what is the what's the night before sleep like uh what's the morning of like because your tea time is 120 very so my my I, i don't sleep very good to begin with and I sleep really, I slept terrible that night, like terrible. I woke up at like, I woke up a bunch of times during the night, got like a few hours sleep. And then the worst time for me to get nervous was like from 7am waiting till like noon to That's get to the course. Yeah. Cause you have to, you have to like, you have to have like a regular day to treat it like any other day. But like I'm watching, I, I just tried to watch Netflix and like planet earth and all this stuff to like relax me. But I'm I'm watching Planet Earth, and at one point I'm like looking at these penguins waddling around. I'm just like staring at the ground. I'm like staring at the penguins, and I'm, I'm seeing the penguins. And in my back of my mind, I'm like I'm like I'm like don't fuck up this Q school. <laughs> and I'm like I'm like sitting there watching I'm watching TV on my computer. But the only thing in the back of my head was like I just thought about the worst like the I thought about the worst thing that could go wrong and then I'd catch myself thinking about the worst thing and try to switch to something positive and then something negative would come up and it's sort of and five hours is a long fucking time when you're like thinking about stuff like that so do you have any do you have any things that you've learned in the last few years of like how to switch your brain mentally from those thoughts uh, I'm I'm still trying to work on that with my sports site because after the first tee shot my body's like I'm pretty calm but it's the time, yeah. Bef- like when you wake up to the time you tee off, where your brain kind of races. That's the hardest to switch off. And before, my mind would race to something negative, and I wouldn't be able to recognize it and turn it. And now I can recognize pretty quick when something negative comes in and try to switch it off. Um, and the best way, like the best way, getting a little psychology, like uh, psychological with it, is the best way for me to do it is to picture like a TV in my head with the negative thing on that. And for me to sit on the side with like a remote and change the channel remotely in mm. my brain. Um, Interesting. And there's, there's a few, there's a few different ways to do it. Like that, that way is more effective for me because I can visually do it. Like if I can see the negative thought on the TV and then I can switch the channel off or like you can be like, by the lake and have like the the negative thought like on a boat like flowing away and something positive coming towards you there's a few different ways to do it but the way i do it seems to help me um is there any way to stop even seeing the negative thought it they're pro there there is for the guys that are the best at it i haven't i haven't gotten there yet mm-hmm. 
but from where I used to be four years ago to where I am now, I'm very happy with. Um, but it's still, it it's, on it's, Friday, still a, it's still like it's a it's just a grind to get better at the mental thing. The physical thing, the physical thing is way easier because you can see the process happening in front of you. The mental yeah. thing you can't really work on, or you know where your progress is until you're in another scenario that is very very stressful, and you have to try to work through it. Now you get those opportunities, now you get, right? Now I get those opportunities on tour. Yeah, but exactly. Fuck, how do you get better at it if you only get one chance per year? Right? So that's it's insane. hard. It's hard to get better. At, it's hard to. The hardest thing to work on your mental side is when your body doesn't feel the stresses that it does in those situations, and you're working on the mental side, but you don't have you know you don't have the sweats, you don't have like the the jitters in your stomach or whatever, so your body's reacting differently. So like I can go work on my mental my mental game tonight in my room, but like I don't like I don't feel how I did before Q school. Yeah. So, so leading up to the first tee, yeah. How many times does that happen? How many times does a negative thought come in and you're pushing it out with? Um, it happens a lot in the morning when you get to the range. For me, it it gets lower and lower, and then the you know when they announced your when they announce your name, the most important thing you can do is like go through your routine. Uh, for me, it's like quick visualization of where I want the ball to go, quick little rehearsal swing of what I want to feel, and then I'll try to pull the trigger. Um, and I won't pull the trigger if like my visualization is the ball going sideways. I'll try to stick with it until I can see like the outcome that I want. Do you like going first, second, or third? Um, uh, so I like that. I like I like the honor. I like going first. Like going first. Yeah. I, you went, and, and you my reason, third in that round. I did. You? The reason yeah. I like going first is because if the first two people in front of you hit bad shots, exactly. that is in your mind. Yeah. So I like, I like being able to. How do you switch that though to? Oh fuck! I'm so much better than these idiots. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. It's hard because you're I not. Know. You're not better than them. They're they literally shot the exact same scores as you the first three days. I, I can I admit something that I've never admitted before. Yeah. And. I don't know why I just thought of it right now. When I was probably in grade nine, ten, maybe eight or nine, I was at some camps and I knew I was the young kid there, summer camps. And maybe, so maybe it was grade nine. So grade eight, I had gone to these camps that are like eight to 12. So I'm playing against grade 12s and I'm 12 and they're 17 and I'm quite a bit smaller than them. Yeah. And I sucked. But grade nine going in, I wore a wristband on my left arm. And every day before a camp, I would write T-Mac. So like Tracy McGrady. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tracy McGrady on a piece of tape and yeah. put it inside the wristband. Yeah. So if I got this like nervous feeling or like, oh shit, what am I doing here? These guys are way better than me. Yeah. I would like look at the T-Mac and be like, fuck, I'm, I'm just as good. Yeah. That's so it's just some of, weird thing mentally some, that you do. Hey? Some, uh, I used, when I was a, when I was a junior, like growing up on my golf ball, I would, write the initials like tw yeah so when i so when i exactly so when i put the ball in the t i'd see that and then it's very similar to what you did you did you just try to like you try to almost trick your brain kind of thing totally yeah is that it is it just tricking or is it training i think it's both yeah i think uh i don't i i don't think tricking your brain is that that much of a bad thing though because if you trick it enough, eventually it'll just start to believe what you're what you're doing to it. But then it's training. It, exactly. So yeah. that's what I mean. Yeah. 
It's a weird. Do you ever do anything like that? Yeah. I was a really weird kid. Like, what was the biggest basketball game you ever played in? Oh, probably against VC at home somewhere. Yeah. Did is there is there any like is there any negative things that come to your mind? Like, what if I go over over ten? Of course, 10? like like you, like yeah. the entire time before the game, you're just nervous, yeah. right? You're just thinking about the worst situation that can happen. Yeah. But then you got to convince yourself that it's like the even the worst situation is not that it's bad. Exactly. No one cares, man. That's exactly. I lived the worst situations twice. I think you told me about one of them. Two times. Yeah. Uh. And and the best part with this is that I think either you or Alex said you can either take those situations in one of two ways. Like you can let it make you better or yeah. you can let it like destroy you. Yeah. So you can talk. talk Specifically to- in sport I'm talking about. Yeah. Right? yeah. So I played in two national finals. There you go. This one. I was the best player in the tournament for the second one. Yeah. In the first one, I was not, but I was still an all-star. In the first one, I think I scored six points, and I was probably averaging like 15. Yeah. We lost by four. Did we lose by four in U15? It was close, yeah. It's fucking Ontario. Yeah. Yeah. In U17, I was the best player in the tournament. I was probably averaging like 22 or 24. Yeah. And I scored zero in the national (laughs) final. It didn't make any sense. We played Ontario. And the first game against Ontario, I had 22 and held their best player to two. Yeah. In the final, it was just like a weird game and didn't score. Yeah, so you can take that. What you I think you explained it? The two ways that you can either you can either let that like break you, or you can use it as a ladder. So use this fuel. Use like, it as fuel. That was. I'm 30. We were 17. That was 13 years ago. I'm still using it. Yeah. Right. Even I'm talking about it, my eyes are watering. Right. Yeah. So it's still like this crazy pain that I feel. Yeah. But either you dig yourself a hole and that was like that was like my situation. You just keep using it to keep getting keep totally, getting better. Totally. Uh, in the BCM in 2014, it's the biggest biggest amateur golf tournament in BC. Mm-hmm. I was leading for the entire tournament, and I bogeyed like two of my last three, and the guy behind me birdied two of his last three, so he made up four shots and tied me. And we were on our fifth playoff hole, and I missed a putt that was like I don't know a couple feet long. And I was like, sh- I was like very nervous over that. And I still, I still use that to this day. Like I tell myself, like, I never want to feel like I did over that putt again. So you just work at it. Like you work and work and work. work. So when you get into that situation again, you don't have those same feelings. You know, the cool thing about these moments is that we remember them so specifically. It's so, like, it's you remember so, vi- it's so you, vivid. Yeah. I can remember every, I can remember everyone watching me on the playoff. I can remember how I felt after missing. I can remember the interview after how shitty I felt. Hmm. I can remember fucking seeing the guy that beat me and being like, wow, that sh- like, that should be me. Like, and you just like, you, you either like, you either let it affect you negatively or you use it as like fuel. Yeah. It's, it's cool to look at it from like an outsider's perspective though. And no one else cares. Right. No, like no one in the golf world but you remembers th- you that. Think for that you. you think that other people are judging you for it. Mm-hmm. Especially as a kid, like, like I'm sure after that, when you scored zero, you were like, holy fuck, everyone probably thinks like, like I'm sure you had so many negative thoughts towards yourself. I thought it ruined my chance at playing in the States. Yeah. Over just one game, eh? One game. 
but it's like life but it's like, like life or death it goes through your mind right like all these coaches are thinking how is this kid going to do in a pressure situation yeah. they're going to look at this one game yeah and they're going to be like oh he sucks yeah yeah anyway okay let's talk about your pressure situation yeah so you're on the first tee we're on the first tee uh the first five holes were not good no they weren't good um i i played the 10th hole so they played my my first hole. I teed off on the tenth hole. So I played the first hole. I played it fine. Made a stupid bogey. So mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, and you never want to bogey a par five. That's yeah. kind of easy because you're losing. Most guys are making birdie. You made bogey, so you already feel like. <sighs> and then part of the next two, made a bogey on the easiest part four on the course. Go to the next hole, make another bogey, and. At that point, you're think. At that point, already in your head, you're like, I've already like, I've already lost my chance, and like my caddy John gave me like a little, like a little thing, like, like, you know, like a pump up, like let's go, like there's what still. You, what did he say? He, uh, he just said like he just said you're fine. There's a bunch of holes left, which is like all you need is like a little. All you need is someone there to like kind of change your thinking just a little bit. Um, cause I knew the number to get my card was going to be like seven or eight under. And I started at eight yeah. and after the first five holes, I was back to five. Yeah. Um, and I mean, and then the next hole was a, like a par five with OB on both sides, but it was kind of short. So if you hit a good drive, you'd have a good chance of birdie. I took out driver after not hitting it great. The first few holes hit a good drive, hit it on the green, made like a 15, 20 footer for Eagle. And my mood, Hold like, on. let's backtrack a second. Yeah. So after five holes, Alex and I, you don't know we're there. <laughs> we're in a bush somewhere <laughs> on the fifth hole on the fairway. <laughs> Alex is so going into the day, we we're driving over there. It's like an hour and a half from the ferry. On the way over, I say, Alex, what do you think Mike's going to do today? What do you think his chances are, or what do you think is going to happen? And his response was, as long as he doesn't blow his brains out, <laughs> he's going he's gonna to make the tour. Yeah. And so after five holes, I look at Alex and I, this is my exact comment was, I think this is the best thing that ever happened to Mike. Yeah. I think it switched his mindset into being like ultra conservative. Just try to shoot par. Trying to not make a mistake. Yeah. And make it by a stroke versus like, oh shit, now I need to be aggressive where I'm actually good at golf. Yeah. When I'm playing aggressively. And that's the thing you, that, did you feel that happen? I guess uh, if you're outside the, the cut line in your head, you automatically assume you, you have to you be aggressive. You automatically assume that, but like I, I guess I, 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 I somehow switched from like a really angry, like, upset feeling that I already moved myself outside the number to a fact like you still have a chance to get your card on the back nine of like the last day which is really all that you want going into Q school yeah um and in the past if I bogey three of the first five I would have just like not packed it in but my mind would have been in the right spot and and that day I just kind of I I switched it somehow to being like you know what you you need if you play these last you know 12 holes a few under which you've done a million times before you know you'll have your pga tour card for the year on so on the tee box on six yeah 
You're three over through five. Yeah. You haven't really hit a good shot yet. No. He had a couple of really bad shots. <laughs> Terrible shots. Yeah. <laughs> On the tee, what's your thought process like? Are you like... My thought process uh, is... My thought process without, like, without John there or something would have been, like, just to play it safe. And every other day before that, I hit driver, like, taking on the dog leg, trying to hit a good shot. Mm -hmm. And I, and John was like, no, we're sticking to the same strategy. You've hit a good shot here every day. And I went up there and hit a good one. And it, like, as soon as I hit that one and it was good, it, it calmed me down. So you just need, you just, when, when things are going sideways like that, you just need one thing to kind of level mm -hmm. you off. What club do you have in on that? Uh, I hit eight iron in. It's a tough life having an eight iron in a par five, Carl. Um, <laughs> and like, I knew, I knew like, I knew if I could get through that, like if I could get through the back nine, like. I was three over. If I could get back to like one over even, I would be okay going to the front because I'd score well in the front all week. But it's hard to like, the hardest thing is to switch your mind from when you're playing shitty to being like, you know what? Those are just, those are just bad shots. Bad shots happen. You can, you know, you can get through it. Like, it's just like a random, it's, it's almost it's almost saying to yourself that it's a random occurrence that you hit a bunch of bad shots in a row and yes. and you're still a good player to saying you've hit a bunch of bad shots in a row you're going to hit it bad for the rest of the day. Yeah. That was the turning point. Is it cool to look back now and like even just a few days later see how different your thought process I'm, was 2 I'm, or 3 years ago versus I'm last almost, week? I'm almost more happy. I'm almost happier with myself playing really shitty to start and really good to finish like being able to switch my mind mm -hmm. from negative to positive than going into that day and like shooting i shot two under so i was happier being like three over and playing the last 11 like 12 five under than just shooting like two under bogey free because i kind of like proved something to myself that i could get through a little bit of adversity 100%. um so and was, that is the type of shit that you remember forever. Yeah, right? I totally agree. Like if you're on the web.com and you have to shoot three under to make the cut or make, yeah. get a PGA card. I, that I, is extreme pressure. It's insane. Uh, it's nothing like you've ever felt before, but you're going to look back and you're going to be like, oh, I was three over before and I yeah. did. So I'm going to no, do it again. Totally. Um, and like going, going into the last day, like people have told me like what the feeling is like walking up the last hole knowing you're going to have a card. And when I was three over early, I was like, I'm not going to have like the walk, like the stress-free walk going up to uh, 18. Cause I'm going to be like right by the Q school number. And then like somehow I, I, I played the last, whatever five under. And when I got to the ninth hole, like after I got that drive and play, I was so like, that walk was like incredible. And then I saw you and Alex on the green and I like did a, did a double take. I was like, it's like, what? It's like, did you, and I said, nice idea. I was like, did you guys just get here? Yeah. And they're like, no, we've been videoing you the whole day. I have Instagram stories. To prove it. Oh, we saw. Yeah. Yeah. That. Okay. Number six, we need to spend more time on number six. Cause that was a big turning point for me. Yeah. You hit an eight iron to like 20 feet. Yeah. Par five. You have like a 20 foot eagle putt. What's your confidence level over that putt? Um, 
it was like it was good like yeah i i was because for people who were not there and there was no one there other than me and alex yeah you'd missed like had you missed three putts inside eight feet miss missed two putts two putts yeah two putts inside eight feet but i i told myself i the, the thing that i kept telling myself is that so i have all my i get technical I have my percentage of makes from like eight feet or whatever, which mm-hmm. is my eight feet make percentage is like 55%. So one out of every two, basically. Yeah. And I missed two to start the day. And I was like, and I told myself, I was like, okay, you missed two to start the day. That means you're going to make your next two. It's like in basketball. If you know you're a 50% field goal shooter, you missed your first four. You got to somehow tell yourself, you know, I missed my first four. I'm going to make the next four. And my, like, it's just, it's just averages. So they're going to work out eventually, but it's hard to convince yourself that that's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, Are you sure you didn't hear me I, after that putt went in? <laughs> I swear, swear I did not know you guys were there. We were, I had a pretty good view. Yeah. It was in between a couple of trees, but <laughs> I was, I videotaped this one too, Carl. And I looked at Alex. I was like, if he makes this, <laughs> he's not, it's not even going to be close to the cut line. He's going to play well. <laughs> and he makes it, of course. Yeah. And I literally wanted to, I wanted to yell. And I, I really, I had to push myself to stop yelling. You, 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 you like, uh, you had like a, like a little internal scream, right? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was good. And I look, and so I had the video like this, yeah. looking at you, make the putt. Look over at Alex, and he did the exact same yeah. thing. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> "Yeah, that was as soon as the yeah, as soon as that putt went in, I was like, I was really calm for the rest of the day." Can you explain that feeling afterwards? when that goes in? Because from my perspective as a spectator, standing fifty to seventy yards back from every shot that you hit, so I didn't have the best angle, but yeah. I had good angles. You hit one bad shot for the rest of the day. Yeah, it was your tee shot on ten. Yeah. Um. But literally so, everything so I, else that I, was, I saw was exactly where you wanted yeah, to hit. When I was three over through five, it my my thought process for like a good like ten minutes after that point wasn't wasn't like you're not gonna get your full card. It was like you're gonna like you're not even gonna get your conditional card, <laughs> which is like top forty. So it so went it went <laughs> I went from like the highest felt like I could feel to like like you suck. And then the the putt like the putt went in and I was like it's like like I really like I I needed it. I I wouldn't say it was lucky it went in, but like it definitely like calmed me down for the rest of the day. Yeah. Sometimes you just need something to go your way when everything's kind of working even if you against make a birdie you. There. Even if you make a birdie, you're still sitting there and you're like because you're two putting from twenty feet, you're like you're like, yeah, that's not anything special. Exactly. But when you make eagle, you're like, yeah, that was big. Yeah. Because then he steps up to the next hole, and it's a par three that was like, I don't know, 170, 175, 170, yeah. Okay. Over the water. Tucked like pin. Yeah. And both his buddies hit it way, way and over there. Here's the what right. I can say about that hole. So it's it's basically, it's, it's like, not a, an it's appealing like, a, it's like a half island green. Yeah. So the f- oh, entire front of it and entire left side is, is water. And the pin is tucked pin like is front, front left. left. Yeah. So right over the water with the water on the left. And the shot into that hole 
gets a lot fucking easier if you're one over as opposed to three over. hundred <laughs> percent. So you don't like, you don't want to go into that hole being three over being like, holy fuck. If I hit in the water here, I'm five over. Yeah. And when you make the Eagle putt, you're like, okay, now I have a couple more shots to spare for the rest of the day. So it's, it's, it was big. I was, uh, I was not looking forward to that par three when I was three over. <laughs> what, uh, Again, from my perspective, you hit every shot exactly where you needed to for the rest of the day, other yeah, than that the tee, one tee on shot. Yeah. Was there any really stressful shots for you for the rest of the day? Um, the most stressful shot for me the rest of the day was the drive on the fifth hole, my 14th hole, which is the one with, with the, the water. water. Right. Yeah. yeah. So as soon as you... If you if you get if you hit in the water there you're making bogey basically automatically but if you hit driver and you get it in play it's basically a birdie hole yeah um, and I knew as soon as I like as soon as I got that drive in play I was I I, I didn't want to I didn't want to like celebrate a little bit get ahead of myself but I was like you know what like you you got this like you're getting you're gonna get through this um, okay. You're finding, let's just point this out. Yeah. You're finding out now that I really like talking about the mental side of things. Yeah, yeah. Regardless of what it is. So you hit a bad tee shot on 10. Yeah. <laughs> Carl, this is ridiculous. You're behind a tree. You take, you take a drop because you're like right against the car path. Yeah. Right? He was probably, f- let's say, six to eight feet from going OB, out of yeah. bounds. So... <laughs> He's this far from going out of bounds. If his ball's out of bounds, he's re-teeing. So he's re-teeing three. Did you hit a bad shot? What happened on the tee? Because I didn't really Um, see it. So I'm particularly a player that plays like a right-to-left ball flight. Like a little fade for me. And that that hole moves hard from from left to right. So I'm uncomfortable on that tee to start with. Do you try to hit a draw? I I I tried to hit my normal shot shape was just a fade and I just pulled it. So okay. I was aimed right and it went more right. Um, so it's behind a tree on a par five. What was your distance in? Uh, one, one, one eighty. Yeah. <laughs> so again, I'm 50 yards back. I can see this ridiculous shot shape. Think Bubba Watson, 2003. 13, 13, 14? Yeah, somewhere in there. Playoff hole in the Masters. Carl has no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> Some of you will. Playoff hole against Louis? Uh, I think it was that against Louis. Was that against. Year. I think it was Louis. Anyways. Yeah, it was Louis. The reason I bring up Bubba is because he's also a lefty. Yeah. Tugs it into the woods on the right. Second shot hits this like stupid 60 yard hook yeah. around a tree. It's actually very similar to, to like that. eight. Exactly. From the pine straw Super too. Super similar. Yeah. So Mike's on the pine straw. Yeah. Behind a tree. <laughs> and as soon as you hit the shot, you start walking up. Me and Al, I'm like, Axe, let's go look at his divot. So we <laughs> literally run up and look at his divot. His divot was aimed 50 yards left of where he hit the ball. <laughs> so he hit the sh- he hit a shot that just like had a huge hook. But on the other side, if he hit if he doesn't hit this crazy hook. He's it's OB. <laughs> so like how confident are you going into a shot like that? Um if you if it doesn't hook as much as you want, if you're it either behind a tree or if it OB. doesn't hook, it, that was probably 
the the par five lane made eagles the turning point but that was also a turning point because i was either going to make double there or birdie yeah so it was a three shot <laughs> swing um and i pulled it off uh but it was ridiculous. John, like my cat like john and i were talking about it and we were like we were we were hesitant to like we were like should we chip this out and just try to make par or should we go for it and i was like no i can pull this off and we did and it was like okay let's go i'm okay again as a friend and a spectator i'm so pumped <laughs> that you have the confidence now to hit a stupid shot like that yeah because that was a dumb shot it was it was dumb but I also let's say you have that shot a hundred times. How many times do you hit it to where you hit it? Uh, Three? No, like like a quarter. Really? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. I'm bringing you back there this yeah. weekend. We're yeah. gonna go. Hit. No, I, I can pull that off. But twenty five times? No way. I can I can pull that off. But it wouldn't have ended up in like like I, it ended up in like the perfect spot for me to hit my next shot for. Yeah. I would have pulled it off a lot of times for it not to go out of bounds, but it ended up in like sure. the perfect spot. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Sure. How many times to hit it to where you hit it, though? That's what I was Not saying. Not very many. Three. Like, like five to ten out of a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know. I, okay. I agree with the 25 that wasn't going OB. Yeah. But looking at a tournament where you're trying to qualify for Q school, you're maybe a stroke or two ahead of the number at the time. No, I was, that was, I was at seven. So I was like right on it. Right and, on it. And that's a hole where you have to score on because the rest yeah, of the front yeah. nine is kind of hard. So I was like, so you're on the number yeah. and there's a shot that you have 25% chance of not hitting it OB. Yeah. <laughs> Unreal. Yeah. So there's one old dude. I don't know if you saw this, that saw you hit that shot. Yeah. And he was walking back to the clubhouse as me and Alex were walking up to see your divot. And he's like, are you guys following Michael Bell? <laughs> And we're like, yeah. He's like, did you guys see that shot? <laughs> and we're like, yeah, but we were back there. It looked like he had a huge hook. He's like, he hooked that thing 50 yards and it ended up on the green. <laughs> so we run up and see your divot and your divot was like. Like this. sideways. Yeah. yeah. It's like a 45 degree angle and the pin's yeah. over here. That was a crazy shot. Anyway, regardless. Back you, need nine, some, you need some good things to happen to you at Q School. That was one of them. Yeah. That fucking skip out of the water that you were talking about. What, what tournament was that? That was at King's Links. Oh, yeah, that was that a was, 60. That was a 60, yeah. Golf is a weird sport. Sometimes you need, you need good... If you're, if you're shooting a really low number, there's a very good chance that something happened to you during the day, like, in the round, that, uh, like, that probably shouldn't have happened. Like, you made a 100-foot putt or... Like your ball hit a tree and bounced back into the fairway. Like some, <laughs> like something went your way. Yeah. So Mike continues to shoot uh, three under on the back. Had four birdies on the back. Yeah. One bad bogey. One bogey. What would you bogey? Six. The dog leg right up the hill. Hit it left kind of behind a tree. Tried to go over the tree. Hit the ah, tree. That's oh. right. What were you trying to do on that second shot? I just tried to go over the tree and hit it thin. Yeah. And then once that happened, I could have like tried to hit a hero shot and try to make par and just said, I'm going to hit it to 20 feet and try to make par if I don't want to make bogey. Yeah. But in the past, I probably would have tried to <laughs> make par, but um, was like, just took my medicine. Like, 
was was inside the number at that point after exactly. another birdie on the par five and was like okay just make 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 bogey here and then play the last few even par or one over and you're okay a birdie on 17 gave a little bit of uh, stress relief eh? or on eight birdie on 17 was like that is my that is the best memory i have <laughs> putting ever how long is that putt that was probably was just on the fringe probably 15 feet on the fringe yeah. um but it was kind of a, it was like a weird lie it was right on the edge of the rough um and but like it's like i you see my my fist bump and a little celebration Absolutely like i, I did like i kind of i kind of knew how, how much that was worth in terms of like calming me down for the last hole yeah because the last hole a few things can go wrong with the forest there on the left and right yeah um and as soon as that went in i knew i had a few shots to spare yeah but like that's that's a I that, rarely see I've seen Mike show negative emotion quite a few times. Yeah. I've rarely seen Mike show positive emotion, <laughs> like really excitement. I was in a good fist pump. Yeah. I was uh that's like something I look back on when I'm around like a little nervous to to give me some positive vibes. That was pretty special for me. You got your walk up the eighteenth. I dude, when I was three over I like there was not one one second where I thought I was going to have like a stress-free walk up 18. I thought it was going to be like, okay, you need to birdie this to get your card or you need to par this to get your card. And John told me on the tee that I was like a few shots clear and I could relax a little bit. And the walk up 18 was like, I was stoked. <laughs> like, <laughs> on 18. I, so, I, saw, I saw you before I f- tapped in, right? Yeah. So you I went saw, up and marked your ball yeah. and you looked over. Yeah. And you like double take, yeah, <laughs> and then you came over and gave yeah. a hug. Did you really think we just showed up for the eighteen? I, I, I was I, well, like, usually if you're on the course and people are f- like watching you or following you, like you can see them. Did not see you guys once. There, I'll be honest. There was a few holes that it was really tough. <laughs> just like tough to hide, or yeah, because there was only like four trees right. in the whole hole. <laughs> it's a five hundred yard hole. There's two trees or four. Like trees. Like if I would have turned back, I would have seen you guys. Hundred percent. Yeah, but I knew you were like so focused that yeah. you weren't going to most of the time there was a couple times that we walked directly up the middle of the fair <laughs> seriously you hit your fairway shot going into the green and we're we like crossed the fairway yeah you didn't see it <laughs> didn't see it at all you're pretty that surprised was, that was pretty uh that was pretty cool to have you guys there that was awesome it was so i like i said it was so much fun it was so fun for me to like i don't know how long have i known you 15 years but known you fairly well in the last like six or seven. Yeah. And to see the progression from high, I don't know, what's the right word? Very peaks and valleys, Mike Bell, to a super steady Mike Bell. And I look at I your agree score. With that. You look at your scores from the week yeah. 70, 69, 69, 70. Super impressive and very exciting for me pretty cool because from the beginning even like three or four years ago when we played together i thought you hit the ball well enough to play web.com yeah even just watching web.com tournaments but i didn't have mental or attitude to get there like and i obviously don't know the guys on web.com so i don't know what their game is there like game management what mental game is like yeah but i thought you always hit it well hit it well enough and i would have these conversations with alex a lot is like what is like, what's the difference? Why, why isn't, 
He goes out and shoots a shitty... He plays awful with us. He's hitting it all over the place and he shoots 67. Yeah. Like, why is he shooting 73 in a tournament? I don't understand. But to see you shoot four rounds, two at 70, two at 69, just the consistency, that's super exciting, super cool. I have a really honest question, though. Yeah. We can wrap up after this. What... How important is Palm Springs to your success? So, for anyone who doesn't know, every November, <laughs> yes, every sir. November we get four to eight guys somewhere yep. in there. It's seven last year. That's the highest. That's the most. Four to seven guys, and we go for like a guys trip to Palm Springs. Um, and I could say honestly that uh, I think Palm Springs trip is one of the most important things in my life. It's uh, it's very. Uh, I don't want to. What do I want to say here? It's very. It's like it's it's nice to unwind, like after a golf season, mm-hmm. um, and just kind of hang out with with the guys and 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 play golf. That's like that doesn't have any, uh, like extra stresses to it. Because yeah. after a full season of golf, like every single round seems like it's, uh, like there's there's a lot of stress to it. There's a lot of negative stuff going on, and you start to like you don't you don't start to not love the game, but like you it's it becomes not fun after like a full season of like grinding. Yeah, and being out there, you just kind of you like you realize how much you actually enjoy it. You know what I mean? Like like. It's fun to to go do that and like and and like see why you play like how special it is to be able to play it for a living because you forget that like you get to do that for your job. I've like I, real estate is the same for me is I love it so much. Yeah, but there's like four or five months of the year that are just insanity. Yeah, and it's like March to July, and then August. Just try to chill. Yeah. Because you need it. You need it. You can't go hard all the time. And people, people like, people will come up to you and be like, oh, you're a professional golfer. Like, that's a real, you're like, you're really lucky to do that for a living. And I am like, it's super, like, it's pretty cool to be able to do that for a living. But it's for people that see it from the outside, don't realize how stressful it is. Like the, the money pot, we talked about it for a while. You're in trouble money for with money for quite a long time, and sometimes you're never really out of it unless you make it big. Um, but like being able to unwind with like a fun trip, like really shows you how much you like it and like how how lucky it is to have. That's the thing is that no one on the outside understands what the day to day is like. Yeah. So I hear people all the time say like, "Oh, you're a realtor. The last three years have been so great in Vancouver. You must be loving your life." Sure, it's been good, yeah. but at the same time, it's like they don't see the 18-hour workdays. Yeah. They don't see up till 3 a.m. writing contracts and sending paperwork and all this bullshit. Yeah. Like, working for your and the comment, like, working for yourself must be so great. Sure, it's fun sometimes. It's, it's, it's good in the good days, and it's fucking the worst it's in the other day. Like, so many highs and lows, yeah, right? totally. And your career path might be even worse. Just because it's like so up and down and it's solely dependent on you. It's like entrepreneurship. Right? Yeah. It's solely dependent on you. You have no one. Golf is insane. Like no that. one to blame but yourself at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's crazy. But it makes the it makes the it makes like the Q school moments and stuff like that pretty special when like you get those those cool like the happy times. Hundred percent. Yeah. And even from like obviously I'm a big fan and I want you to crush it and yeah. be on the PGA and I want to watch you in the Masters at Augusta. You're gonna <laughs> get me tickets. Even just to like have the adversity that happened in Q school yeah. this year. Like you said, if you shot a bogey free six or seventy, yeah, made it easy. It's not the same experience, no. man. Being three over through five is intimidating as fuck. It, it was, it was very uneasy. Like, but how, man? I'm excited that you had that experience. Yeah, just because you're gonna be able to pull so much from that in the future. Yeah, I can look at that like situation like for as long as I play tournament golf is like like an like a just adversity that I got through it's different when so like we both did this as a kid yeah look at someone we idolized I had T-Mac on my yeah fucking wristband you had T-W on your ball yeah and be like they can do it why can't I but to when when you can look back and say I've done this before I'm gonna do it again yeah it's totally it's different it's pretty cool yeah yeah so I can count on you for Palm Springs for the next 30 years? <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> yeah. Carl, it's the best week of my life. Every year, it's the best week of my life. It gets better every year. I don't know why. I don't know if we drink more whiskey each year or we just have better quality people there. It's amazing. Yeah, I'm upset I missed it this year. Won't happen again. Hey, that's okay. <laughs> if it was uh, just to keep you focused so you can make... If I am in a, P- if I'm in a PGA Tour event, though, I have the okay to miss it. If you're in a PGA event, if you're in a PGA event, you're big time, man. You don't need the day-to-day events. This is one week a year I ask you for, Michael. If you're in a PGA event, I will be at the PGA event, so I'm not going to be in Palm Springs either. Perfect. Unless it's in Palm Springs. Do they have any PGA events in Palm Springs? Yeah, they have the one at uh, PGA oh, West. just one. The Waste Man. No, no, that's the one in Phoenix. Phoenix. Uh, I don't know what it is. Is that like La Quinta and then the PGA West courses? The stadium. Yeah. That is a hard golf course. Yeah. Big goals for Mike Bell. I want to hear the ones that you've written down. For I want to. I want to hear your two-year goal first of all. Two-year goal. Twenty twenty-one. Um, win a McKenzie Tour event this year. Yep. Uh, graduate to the web.com, and then top twenty-five on the web next year. Big goal for Mike Bell. Yeah. What's the big goal? The big goal? Yeah, that was a two-year goal. That was a two-year goal? Well, the big, the big, big goal is to be on the PGA Tour in two years. And? And, and win. Can I share a frustration? We talked about this early. We talked about Tiger's mentality, yeah. Michael Jordan's mentality, Peyton, or uh, Tom Brady. hate that cock. <laughs> they just expect to win, right? Yeah. They know they're going to win. Yeah. This guy... That was in the final or uh, final group in the fi- in the on Sunday last week in the PGA. Was his name Damon? Joel Damon. He had an interview on Saturday. He was in the final group on Sunday. Yeah. And they did you see this interview? No, I don't think so. It's embarrassing as an athlete, as a former athlete, as a wannabe golfer is embarrassing. They asked him like what his goals are. It was the woman. What's the woman reporter? Uh, I don't. I the can picture it, but I'm not, I'm not sure. Yeah, you know uh, I'm talking yeah about. I know who you're talking about. His answers were like, 
I'm just excited to be out here. You know, I don't have any of those big goals like being number one in the world or anything like that. I, you know, I'm just excited to excited to be out here. And my thought was, this guy's never going to win. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, uh, I think it happens in too many sports where people are afraid to get scrutinized for saying what's on their mind. Like that was my point before, right? Are you embarrassed to share your goal? Yeah. So like, like, uh, when I'm in Phoenix, Joel Damon is there as well. Like he's, he's, he's fucking good. And like, if you talk to him, like on a different time without like the media cameras there, he'd be like, yeah, I want to be everything that you said. But I think too many people are afraid of how the media might react if they speak their actual mind. Like if he was like, yeah, like I expect to win every tournament. I want to be number one, blah, blah, blah. Like the whole golf channel panel would be like oh this guy hasn't done whatever he's saying this he's saying this he needs to like calm his he needs to like calm down and i think that everyone is just so fucking like everyone's so sensitive now like 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 everyone is so like their emotions get hurt so much their feelings get hurt so much like if someone says something that irks them a little bit they're like bitch about it on the internet real tough people like behind their keyboards the worst people in the world. But like, I, I have, I but would, I have, understand that. No, I understand that. Some people don't understand it, but like, I, I have, I have absolutely no problem if, if someone like came up to someone in my scenario and be like, what are your goals? And be like, I'm going to be a PGA tour winner. And be like, good for you. Like, if that's what you think you're going to be, that's where you think you're going to be. Instead of giving the cliche answer of being like, you know what? I'm just going to work hard. I'm just going to like go through the process and I'm just going to let it, like, it's going to, it's going to be what it is. Like just you know what I learned early on though, like when I was a child, like 11, 12. Yeah. Is that when I had those negative reactions from people, it made me work harder. Yeah. So when I, like when I was a kid, I was, I was like, I'm going to play in the NBA. People were like, ah, oh, you're a short white kid. No, you're not. You're like, all right. I'm <laughs> Fuck <girl."> you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to it, it never shut me down ever one time. No. It always made me work harder. So I, it, yeah, I would get mad at the, I would, I'd be mad at the people that said that. Of course. hundred percent. That makes you work harder. hundred percent. You're probably going to swear at them for like yeah. two minutes and then go to the range and hit yeah. a lot more balls, right? Yeah. hundred percent. Anyway, I think prediction, Mike Bell wins a PGA event before Joel Damon <laughs> <laughs> based on mindset alone. <laughs> I have never seen this guy play before. I'd never even heard of him until last week because he was in, he played really well. I predict Mike Bell. Based on what you did on Friday versus what he did on Sunday. <laughs> don't like it, Carl. <laughs> what did he shoot, 77 or something? Like that? I'm not sure. Yeah, it was rough. He didn't win. Homa won. Huma? Homa. 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 Good for him. For, he's, he's a Tonight, rookie too. Look up, his, look up his story. It's pretty cool. If you want to know mindset. He, he was like, I can't explain it all, but like he, every time, every time someone asked him and he would miss the cut by like five, 10 shots, like 15 of 17 cuts as a PGA tour guy. And people would ask him like, what's going on? And be like, be like, it's just like, he's like, I still believe in myself. Like this is going to happen for me. Every single time someone asked him, he would give the same answer and he never stopped believing in himself, even though he was playing like garbage, which is what made his story really cool. How many years has he played? 
That happened to him in 2017. He's been like a web, a web guy and a PGA guy since 2016. But he's gone through like more adversity than anyone. And he got through it just by like a mental belief. So I root for guys like that. I think the moral of the story, Carl, is don't give a shit what other people say about you. Just do your thing. Do your thing. 100%. If you don't believe in yourself, no one else is going to. I think even if you believe in yourself, no one else is going yeah. to. No one gives a shit about you. No. It's, uh, it sounds negative, but I think it's ultimately very positive. I think you, you just d- turn you around definitely, in your head, Carl. You definitely have, you definitely <laughs> got to be your biggest supporter. Because no one else is going to. Regardless, athletics, business, anything. Everyone's always going to hate. Except me. Except you. I'm a big fan. I've got a good team behind me. You know what? When you win your first PGA event, I'm going to be there, regardless of whether you get tickets or not for me. I'm going to be there. I'll pay for my own ticket. Fuck you, Mike. I'm going to be there, and I'm going to bring you a bag of 12 rugula. <laughs> from Sherman's. Yes. It's got to be from Sherman's. They'll be fresh, too. And a number seven. Like, I'll fly out of the tournament on Saturday. <laughs> Two Palm Springs, get 12 Regula, fly back Sunday morning. Perfect. Be there. Love it. First Canadian Tour event. Yeah. May, May 23rd to May 26th. May 23rd to 26th. Point Grey. Vancouver. Point Grey Golf Club. Come out and watch people. Yeah. I will be there. Alex will be there. Does that put more pressure or less pressure on you being at hometown? Um, there's a little more pressure, but I've always been a believer in if you like if you can't do it in front of the people in your hometown that believe in you, you're just fucked anyways. Like, because the ultimate goal is to get to the PGA Tour, and there's going to be hundreds of thousands of people more watching you, and some people aren't going to be on your side. Yeah. So you better fucking get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> this is like actually a relevant question. You ever had anyone heckle you like in uh, Happy Gilmore? <laughs> uh, Great reference. <laughs> Aside from like, not like, not like people I don't know, but friends and stuff. Oh yeah. I've heckled you. Oh yeah. Friends and family. In tournaments? Not in tournaments. No, just for fun. (laughs) Like how we heckle Alex. (laughs) That's fair. We heckle Alex on the golf course though too. Great guy. Good guy. He's getting better at chipping too. (laughs) Mike, thanks for doing this, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I love you a lot. Love you, buddy. I'm super pumped about your future. Yeah, it's exciting. I, uh, I was very impressed on Friday. <laughs> could have uh, could have gone the other way pretty quick. So, honestly, I said this to Alex on the way home. That was the best thing that ever could happen to you. Yeah, just to prove to yourself, right? It's such a big thing as an athlete to prove to yourself that you can do it. And going three over in five holes and turning it around is a huge thing on in that magnitude of an event i almost didn't believe it at first <laughs> but yeah uh, pulled the eagle, it off after the eagle though after the eagle i was after the eagle i was right back in it and then it's not like i was in the like i was in the clear still had to play the last bunch of holes well totally. and still did it so I mean, that's something I'll look back at for a very, very long time. For me, again, it wasn't even the fact that you shot 70 after being three over through five. 
was the fact that you didn't miss a shot. You missed one yeah. shot. And maybe you will disagree with that. Maybe you missed your points on a few things, but like on every hole, I, uh, I felt like you put it in the I, right uh, spot on every hole. No, I I was very precise the le- the rest of the round on where I wanted to do, and I pulled it off. That's exciting yeah. to me. Yeah, definitely. Huge congrats. Thanks, buddy. I'm super excited. Looking forward to watching it point gray. Yeah. I want to see another 76, 9, 6, 9, 70. That'll get it. That'll be, that'll be pretty good. That'll be pretty good. Come out and watch people if you love golf or you don't and you just love Vancouver. Or you love me. Because there was only two Canadian dudes that qualified for the Canadian tour this yeah. year. There'll be, there'll be a few more than that. But from Q schools, there are only a couple guys. Mm. So come and support the local guys. I'm excited to watch you. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks for coming on, buddy. Thank you. Appreciate it. Cheers. Good night, guys. Cheers.